0: Number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the radio octagon. This is the Sports Gage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire.
1: It is the Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in on the cage uh, today and Monday. Michael Ball will be back early next week after a long-deserved and well-deserved vacation as he gets set for the football season ahead and all it brings. Coming up on the program, we will tee up the uh, second round playoff series in the Western Hockey League between the Moose Jaw Warriors and the Winnipeg Ice. The voice of the Winnipeg Ice, Brian Munns, longtime SJHL guy, longtime WHL guy, Saskatchewan guy, will join us in the, uh, well, just after the 3.30 news, we will go to Edmonton and visit with the, um, um, or with our contributor, Bob Stauffer, of the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. The Edition of Chase the Ace coming up a little bit later. This week's edition of that, and Farhan Lalji from TSN to talk about the SFU, Brew Haha, and a whole bunch more. I didn't bring my laptop. I feel completely naked in here without my laptop. Man, today, without that laptop. Are we going to roll the, the intro for our first guest? Oh, it's rolled already. We got Rob Hart ready to roll. He's here? Yeah. Okay. We're ready. We will go out to the Western Pizza Hotline, and uh, we are joined by not the wedding singer, Rob Hart, but the voice of the Flynn Flan Bombers for many years. Rob, you're in Battlefords. You're all settled. You're, you're signed, sealed, and delivered. Ready for game one tonight? Yes,
2: hoping that uh, we can uh, continue this uh, magical mystery tour that's been going on. It's been exciting and uh, a lot of bomber fans expected at the Access Communication Center tonight. should be
1: a lot of fun. That's what we want to talk to you about, but before I get to that, <clears throat> years ago, I know you were uh, good pals with uh, a guy by the name of Rod Peterson, who hosted this show yeah. for many, many years, and I remember yeah. uh, he and I watching a practice one day uh, during training camp and we happened to be talking about Rob Hart, and I said, he calls a Great game, and Rob said, or Rod goes, the best. um That's high praise from someone who's called a game or two in their time. Uh, how did you cultivate your love of doing live game narration?
2: I don't know. I think it's just a passion. I think I just have always thought about doing play by play hockey ever since I was a little kid watching, you know, Hockey Night in Canada. As I remember just sitting there, you know. Well, they had a couple of stations in Fun Fun back then. Actually, I think even Black and White TV was that long ago. I'm just watching all these games on TV, and I remember they just interviewed these guys. I thought, that's the best job in the world. I want to do that. And. You know, I've been lucky enough to, to be broadcasting for my hometown team since 97, and it's just, uh, the, the connection between the community and the team is just so special, and uh, I just, it's it's a privilege to get a chance to, to do this uh, year after year, and here's hoping that we can uh, bring home that first championship since 92, 93. It's been a long
1: time. Do you see a lot of parallels between the Flin Flon Bombers and their fans and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their fans?
2: It's funny you mention that, because I was just chatting with uh Marty Martinson, of course, the play-by-play voice guy, the Battleford. yesterday. And we were chatting about this, and I know he's really looking forward to the, the final as well. I'm looking forward to, you know, making his way to the Whitney Foreman. I said, yeah, it's just it's incredible. The fan bases, like, you see the Rough Riders, whether they're in Calgary, whether they're in Winnipeg, I mean, there always seems to be a lot of green in the crowd, and it doesn't seem to matter where the flint and bombers go. I know we were just in Humboldt last week, and I think there must have been Three to 400 Flint Flon Bomber fans uh, one night and expecting uh, a capacity crowd again tonight from Flint Flon. I was chatting with uh, the marketing person for the Battlefords yesterday, and she was showing me the two sections that were dull for Flint Flon fans, and she said this is probably about 250 to 300 seats total sold out in a minute and a half for the Flint Flon fans. So that wow. kind of gives you an idea of how excited uh, the fans are about this league final.
1: And that's not a short drive. How long a drive is that?
2: I think probably about six
1: and a half. Wow. Well, that's nothing from Flint, Flint. Come on. That's <laughs> no, a small road so. trip. That's a day trip. Come on. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, we, we had Mike Reagan on earlier this week, and um, I asked him this question, so I'll ask you as well. Uh, we know that this your team went to the finals last year, and that might have been, I, I guess an argument could be made. It was the greatest SHL finals of all time. Very exciting. Is this year's team as good or better than last year's team? And if so, why?
2: That's a tough one. I, I, You know, it's funny. You would ask me this question maybe a month ago and I would have said no. But after they've, after what they've done here the last couple – I mean, we, we went – like I'm sure Mike's alluded to it or I'm sure you know that we lost our top five scorers for like almost all of February going into March. We haven't had a full lineup since I can remember. But it just seems like that this team has got so much character and just a team of destiny, and, and they want it so bad. And I really got a real uh, – I guess of a bird's eye view of that uh, front row seat, so to speak, that last series, just because Humboldt has a very good hockey team. Humboldt, uh, you know, is, is built a lot like the Battlefords. They just got lots of guys that can score. They got a deep end. They got good goaltending. And Flint was just able to keep to the outside. And anytime they needed to score a big goal, anytime they needed to get momentum, they did. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, this this team is as capable as last year's club. And uh, again, it's going to be a great test. The finals here against, let's face it, a highly favored Battleford team. But I don't know if anybody wants it as much as uh, this group from Flin Flon does this year.
1: Flin Flon bomber broadcaster Rob Hart is our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. Um, I know that... the Battlefords has players who are really on the high end, especially when you look at their, their top line. Uh, but Coach Reagan was quick to point out that they're more than just a top line team. That said, um, could it be argued that the Bombers have as much depth when it comes to rolling four lines as even the powerful Battleford North Stars?
2: Yes, I think both clubs could roll four lines for sure, and I think the one thing that these two teams are so similar into is their back ends. I think you take a look at uh, Fawn and North Battleford; their back end is probably as deep as anybody. I didn't really even realize this till yesterday, but the, we talked about that front line for Battleford. How good they are! I think all three guys had at least a hundred points. Their back end was also the highest uh, for Octave and offense as well, but it's so undershadowed because of how good their first line is. Well, Fuenflin's got a pretty good back end as well, and I believe that's another reason why these two teams are the last two teams standing is because of how good their back ends are, and obviously their goaltending. I mean, heading into tonight, you got Josh Cote, who of course was the SJHL goalie of the year, He and Harmon Laser Hume have the identical save percentage of 945 heading into tonight. There's not a lot of pucks that get past these guys, and that is a big matchup as well. Who's going to be standing between these two goaltenders? They've both been just absolutely electric.
1: What about the core of this team? Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that the window to win in uh, junior hockey is very, very sh- small. Um, is this is this kind of the end of it for this group? I mean, are there a lot of players who will be moving on who are on last year's team and this year's team, uh, or have they been able to? Um, I don't know, parse it out so that you don't have a whole lot of turnover going into next season. I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, is this the last dance? And we're all uh, uh, fond of the, the movie that came on Netflix, the Michael Jordan film in the Chicago Bulls. They called it the last dance. Is this the last dance for this core?
2: Uh, I guess, in a matter of speaking, it is Cole Dupro will be moving on. Jaden Mercy will be moving on. You know, I talked about that back end. They're going to lose, uh, you know, Reese Richmond, Lucas Fry, Corey King. Three guys that were huge in that, you know, centennial come run last year. I mean, yeah, this it's a last dance, I guess, for a, a number of guys. But, you know, we always feel like we always put together a quality program every year. We'll have some guys that are still good that will be back next year. Jacob Bockler is uh, going to be back. He's got a Division One scholarship, showed as Jeremy Trombley. So, and Harmon Hume will have a year back. But for that core that was there last year, in particular, those three guys on the back end, that's going to be obviously a big loss.
1: There was a perception when I used to travel around the SJHL along with you in the early 2000s that it was hard to get players to go to Flin Flon. And uh, I remember chatting with uh, with Mike back in the summer, and he said, you know, the fact that we've been winning lately, we've got so many recruits coming in and it doesn't sound like it's a problem anymore um, is it just the fact that the team is good uh, that that appears to have gone away or is there some other big difference uh, to what was happening in the early 2000s the doldrums the dark days of the flint flon bombers
2: well, there's no question winning uh, is obviously a big factor, but I mean, just uh, we just talked about uh, Division One scholarships, and you can go back in this league the last six or seven years. Nobody's had more Division One commits than Flintwood has. Not to mention, I mean, who wouldn't want to play in the Whitney Forum? I mean, Maple I, I don't, Leaf I'm Gardens
1: sure you, of you, the you, Prairies, yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, you you were there in the 2000s, like you mentioned, and I'm sure you've seen some of the footage of the last couple of years. I mean, like it's, it's I've never you can't experience anything like it, like just the goosebumps and the vibe you get from being in that building. I mean, in today's day and age, I mean, of course, you were at Estevan, it was a great building as well, but everybody's moving on to new rinks now. New Rick and Melville, New Rick and Estevan, you know, all these uh, Portage has got a brand new facility, Dauphin, all these places that have these historic buildings have moved on. Well, the one historic building is still sitting in Flin Flon, and a lot of people have asked me what it would be like to get a new rink. I think that's one of the communities that doesn't want a new facility. They want, don't want to lose the history and just that, uh, that, that incredible building. And I think with fans and players, and regardless, we have a number of recruits that are traveling with the team now that are experiencing it, and it's second to none. I mean, it truly is a shrine of hockey and I know that the kids that are, even the visiting players that come up I just mentioned Marty Martinson, he could hardly wait to get to the Whitney form, I'm sure I could speak of that of all the Battleford players as well, especially after their first round series last year It's, it's just uh, there's just so many things that are just, uh, just uh, the, the history of this team is just uh, so deep and it's nice to see that they're adding more chapters to it in today's day and age
1: what, is, you know, when I, when I, I mentioned earlier that I see it as, or I've always felt like it's the Maple Leaf Gardens of the Prairies. I guess it's not very prairie up there where you are in Flint Flon. Um, but, uh, to, to me, it's that one end of the rink where it goes up, 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 up and up. And you don't see that on new arenas. And then you've got the Wall of Fame and all the history around it. On the surface, um, some players appear to prefer to be in a, a city where, as Mike Reagan would say, you can go to a Starbucks or, You know, some of the other amenities that a place like Yorkton would have. If you're going to choose that over the history of an iconic brand of the Flin Flon bombers, that's probably somebody you don't want on your team anyways, isn't it?
2: I totally agree. I mean, what, what, what's your priorities? Like, what, what? What are you interested in playing hockey? Interested in winning a championship? Are you interested in a chance to go and play Division One hockey? And you're gonna get all those opportunities and fun. This is the Bombers' fourth final now in the last six years. So sooner or later, you'd like to think that it's a, it's all gonna line up here. But you're right. I mean, if a guy's worried about that type of stuff, I don't think it's be a guy that I'd be too concerned about having on my team.
1: Rob, I know I'm excited about the finals tonight. I know a lot of our uh, audience is excited for the finals tonight and uh, throughout the seven-game series. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts. You never know when you'll get another crack at it. So uh, have a great call tonight. Thanks for doing this, and have a great weekend.
2: I really appreciate the opportunity. As longtime Montreal Expo fans, we got to stick together.
1: We got to stick together, but we're not we're not kindred CFL fans. I think you're a Bomber fan, aren't you?
2: Big Blue Bomber fan, but I love the CFL. One of my favorite sports leagues. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, you bet. Thanks.
1: And is Rob Hart, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Flint Flon Bombers, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline? Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. Time to break. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage on Rider Radio six twenty CKRM.
0: It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to The Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Brennan
1: McGuire and John Kleisinger are with you on the Friday edition of The Sports Cage for Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Still ahead on this edition of The Cage, uh, we will go to Edmonton and hear from Oilers radio broadcast crew member Bob Stoffer. And uh, a few other guests still ahead on the program, Farhan Lalji from TSN, and the one that I'm most excited about, Zinger, Manny Rugamba of the BC Lions and their new uniforms. We'll oh, get into yeah. that. I can't wait for that discussion. Love the Lions'
3: new <clears throat> unis. Really? Yeah, I, I like them. They're fresh. They're fresh looking. They They have more of a... I really like how they have the stripes on the sleeves with the logo over top of it. It gives me like a like an '80s type vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I you're all about the '80s. I, yeah, I, I really feel like they have uh, more consistency compared to their prior uniforms. I didn't really like the the design of their last unis. The orange with black on the shoulders with the little going on on the sleeve. I like your classic stripes. And the lions have done it, and I think those lions unis look good. They're instead of white, I think they're calling it like a fog, a uh, fog, like yeah. a foggy gray. And uh, they're gonna look pretty sharp. I think I think they
1: did well. Do you like them or no? Or am I they, out to lunch on this? They look very Cleveland Browns like to me. Cleveland Browns. Well, the stripes like okay. on the the home unis. <clears throat> but the Browns and aren't black. No, but it looks very similar, and to me that taints it. Because the the Cleveland Browns Browns aren't black. That don't make no sense. But the Cleveland Browns are the epitome of, as I used to hear Bob McCown say, a pile of junk. Because they're so bad that the color that they have, you know, it's like the Cincinnati Reds or St. Louis Blues. Those are nice colors. (laughs) We're the Browns, right? Like for the, I don't know. Why but, I, I if they look like the Browns I I could get on board
3: with you but I just I don't they're see. not quite that far no, I don't I just don't see it black they're all black the the BC Lions they they wore black with when Damon Allen of course was there
1: you you I don't like need the, me to
3: tell you that they had silver helmets back then albeit
1: but. I I like the look they had in the early nineties we had Darren Flutie on earlier this week it's going to be a rewind later on okay in the show well there you go you'll hear it again but the um in the early nineties when they had it was the black unis and the um, red stripes around the numbers. And I'm talking about, like, uh, 90, 91, 92. Those three years, right there. That was the best uniform they ever had. For so the Lions? Yes. Okay. That was the best BC. And apparently, <clears throat> the Stampeders are set to do their unveil. And uh, Danny Austin, uh, I don't... Is he still with the Calgary Herald? I don't know what he does He's now, in Calgary, but, yeah. Yeah, and he says that fans are going to love the new threads. Oh. oh. This, now, that's see, his opinion. The, this is what...
3: It really excites me and I really hope that the Calgary Stampeders, I feel like they have kind of slowly implemented their new look with, the, with, with that uni that they've been wearing at home the past couple of years with the white stripes over the shoulders. I really hope that the stamps drop the black from their uniforms and just go purely all in with red and white and if they do have a little black, maybe just a bit of an outline like the Jeff Garcia days you know what I mean? Late 90s, early 2000s but I'm, I'm really amped up to see the Stamps new look. It's going to be, oh, you know I love my, I could sit
1: here until midnight to talk unis with you, man. You could join in on the conversation on Twitter. Follow us at SportsCage. You can also text us on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line, 306-936-6262, or call us toll free at one 866 767 20, text, you know. Yeah, text us up and let us know if Brennan McGuire's out to lunch
3: when it comes to if the BC Lions unis look like the Cleveland Browns because that is absolutely obnoxious. I want to hear from the listener.
1: Well, well, John Hodge, we were on this, um, We the Three Down Nation writers, we have this little chat group, and uh, uh, I, put, I posted that same thing in there, and Hodge, John Hodge, who's a regular contributor to this program, mm-hmm. said he felt the same way when he saw it. So... Maybe you don't trust my eyes, Zinger. That's, I just don't get it. The, the Browns don't
3: have a black helmet. <clears throat> the Browns don't have a black jersey. The Browns don't have black pants. It's
1: a trim. You'll have to match well, it up. But yeah, yeah
3: okay. the the trim,
1: whatever. Do I, you think I, uh, I don't get it. Do you think they're going to miss a beat going from Nathan Rourke to Vernon Adams? How could you
3: not miss a beat?
1: Of course. I don't think Vernon Adams Jr. has
3: really proved that he can Well, he's proved that he can have spurts of good play, but has he done it for a full season? Has he taken his team to a great cup? Has he done this and that? I don't know. Of course there's going to be a... I mean, you don't see Vernon Adams Jr. you know putting up the numbers Nathan Rourke had, but I think if the Lions can maybe get some offense from other areas in their team, they can make up for it, but come on. I mean, Nathan Rourke is the best quarterback we've seen in the Canadian Football League since... I don't know. In my opinion, at least for a, some time, we don't get me wrong. Like Ricky Ray, Darian Duran, great quarterbacks, but like for a guy to come on the scene and just be that good right away, and then leave a year later to the NFL, we haven't seen that. I don't think we will see that anytime soon. But that's just Zinger's opinion. Of did course.
1: you did you like the pickup of Dane Evans? Because there's the old saying to have two quarterbacks is to have no quarterback, and so some would argue that maybe they should have just left it to va he should feel like he's supported he's got everyone behind him and he shouldn't have to look back over his shoulder yeah well
3: in my opinion when i saw that news i kind of thought like well dane evans he's he's going to challenge vernon adams for the starting job it's not like he's challenging an all-time hall of famer and i i still don't understand why that's not really being discussed from the outside at least because dane evans and vernon adams jr they have accomplished basically the same in the canadian football league whoa well, Dane Evans, he went to a great cup. So why why is there why is Vernon Adams way up here and Dane Evans is way down there? I don't get it. I'm not in Vancouver though, but that's just my thoughts
1: on it. Am I crazy on that? Uh no. Yeah. No. All right. But um there was a lot of stench coming from Dane Evans last year, and I don't know that he's ready to take that next step. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And um, well, maybe a change of scenery will help him out. Uh, Call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620 or the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306-936-6262. Time to break. It's a Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on Rider Radio 620 CKRM.
3: It is 3.32 in the sports cage with your sports ticker for the Keniston Super Draft. There's $80,000 in prize money to be won during the NHL playoffs in this year's Keniston Super Draft. Game one of the SJHL Championship goes tonight in North Battleford. It's the Flin Flon Bombers versus the Juggernaut, Battleford's North Stars. We heard from the voice of the Bombers to kick off the show, Rob Hart, and he's ready to roll. Game one puck drop at 7.30 tonight.
0: It's one of the teams our whole country rallies around. The chase for the championship is on. Time for today's Blue Jays reports on the Sports Cage. Just couldn't quite
3: get that sweep yesterday against the Detroit Tigers. They fell to the Tigers in the series finale. But tonight, how about this? The 13-0 Tampa Bay Rays roll into the Rogers Center. And the Tampa Bay Rays, they're going for some history tonight. They already tied the modern era record for a 13-0 start. They will go for a 14-0 start tonight, Tampa will. We will see tonight if the Blue Jays have something to say about that. But earlier this week, we had the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays Ben Wagner with us and he talked about just how Kevin Kiermeyer, brand new outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays has become a fan favorite in this young season.
4: Well he makes an impact when he's out there defensively. He uses his legs, he uses his instincts even at his age, you know, he's in his now young 30s he is one of the best outfielders in the game still the way that he gets good jumps and good reads and when you have to navigate tough places right like ballparks with funky angles and changing landscape on the walls, which is exactly what Roger Center did. Everything from 14 feet, 4 inches, all the way down to 8 feet. He can do something special defensively, save a game or change a game. Absolutely. That's what I expected. I expected his calling card to be defense. But then talking with him over spring training, Kiermaier was one of those guys that understood much more this year his role within a lineup. And his number one objective every day is to get on base gray line drives if he makes contact. He realizes that earlier in his career he got too big and too long. Like everybody else, you know, you swing plane and that trajectory, that upward cut, especially from the left side of the plate, a lot of left-handed hitters can make a lot of money if you hit the ball out of the ballpark. That's not his game. And he said, he, he told me and Joe Sittle in spring training, we were behind the, behind the kids one day at batting practice, and he was working on going up the middle, going the opposite way, and he realizes that his on-base percentage will be Way more important than his overall batting average. And he made the comment, like, I don't want to hit a home run all year. I don't want to make sure I'm staying on top of the ball, hitting line drives. So I'm on base. So guys like George, Bo, and Vlad are driving me in. Because he knows how important flipping that card over, regardless of the inning, will be. That's how the Blue Jays will, one, win games. But two, win games the way that they feel like they can win games. And that's run away with W's.
3: The radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, as the Jays get set to host the Tampa Bay Rays tonight, five oh seven, opening pitch with your Blue Jays report.
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio six twenty CKRM. B. Zinger on the Friday edition of the Sports Cage.
1: Still ahead in hour three, we will hear from our very own Luke Mullender about uh, the impending CFL training camps and some other news and notes around the CFL as well. Uh you can chime in on the Buick Cadillac GMC text line and I'm just double checking here and you can catch us at 306-936-6262 or call us one 767 620 Very pleased now to be joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by the broadcast voice of the Winnipeg Ice, Brian Munns. Brian, welcome to the program.
5: Hey, guys. How are you? Good to catch up again.
1: Doing well. Um, you know, I was looking over the, the comparison between the team that your ICE will play uh starting in the second round series tonight, the Moose Jaw Warriors. Did I read this right? Did the ICE go two, three, and one against Moose Jaw this season or is three and three against the Warriors? Yeah. I think we lost you there for a second, but <laughs> do we still have Brian? I'll call you back. Okay, we'll call you back. We'll call Brian back. <clears throat> But, um, Winnipeg had the number one record all year long and everybody's been talking about how unbeatable they are. And, uh, the Warriors went three, two and one against the Winnipeg ice. And I'm curious, uh, to see if anybody else had such a good record, Brian, do we have you back? I'm back. You got me. You're back and better than ever, baby. Um, there we are. I, I was looking over, and it looks like Moose Jaw had a record of three, two, and one against the Winnipeg Ice. Am I correct on that? And is that the only team that had a winning record against the Ice all year?
5: Well, we'll look at it as Winnipeg went three and three against them, so they split the regular season series. How about that?
1: Sure. Can okay. We do it that way? We'll go glass half full for your Winnipeg Ice. Let's <laughs> That's do right. that. That's yeah. Right.
5: Yeah, no, it was uh, six fantastic games during the regular season, no doubt. And they were the only team this year to hand Winnipeg three losses during the 68-game regular season schedule. So I think a lot of people thought this would be round three, starting two weeks from now, the Eastern Conference Championship Series. But lo and behold, the way it played out, uh, obviously with Regina falling in game seven in Saskatoon, uh, it sets up the Ice and Warriors starting here in a few hours.
1: Do you think this is the best team that can give the almighty ice a run
5: well based on the regular season you'd have to say so but there's no question i don't think there's any disrespect for what saskatoon and red deer did as well to finish in the top three if you want to look at the regular season standings there you know winnipeg finished with 115 points and then you had saskatoon and red deer who were second and third respectively and red deer obviously got the number two seat because they were the central division's top team so I guess if you want to break it down, the four best clubs are in the Western Hockey League second round of the postseason right now, based on regular season uh, statistics, so it, uh, it plays out as it should, I guess.
1: How many years have you done broadcasting for WHL teams overall, like your time in Prince Albert and Winnipeg? How many, how many seasons have you covered the WHL?
6: Uh,
5: this would be what was it? Five, seven? I guess.
1: Okay, yeah, seven. Five I,
5: years in PA. Yeah, five yeah. years in PA, and then two here.
1: Okay, I in my head I had like twenty or thirty, just because you were so long in the SJ and etc. etc. Yeah. Um. But of yeah,
5: the, no. Uh, five in the SJ. Five in uh, in PA. Two in Edmonton between the American League and the Oilers. Five with the Moose here in the American League. Uh, ten with the Jets, and now two through here. So have got a lot of tracksuits
1: hanging in the closet. No kidding. but I'll, So let me present it to you this way. Of all the teams that you've covered in the NHL, the American League, the SJHL, the WHL, is this Winnipeg Ice team the most dominant?
5: Well, for regular season, you'd have to say yes, because they had back-to-back 50-plus win seasons. Uh, the team that I covered in Edmonton in 06 went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final against Carolina. Uh, The teams with the Moose and the American League for a couple years were really, really good as well. and They went to the Calder Cup final against the Hershey Bears. The Jets went to round three of uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs the year they lost out to Vegas. So I've been fortunate. I've seen some teams on the other end of it too. My first year in PA, I think we won 11 or 12 games. But, uh, yeah, I've been lucky to be able to call some games uh, late into spring. So hopefully we've got another month and a half or so left to go yet here with the ice.
1: Winnipeg Ice broadcaster Brian Munns joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. So a lot of the rhetoric that I've been hearing around uh, the Western Hockey League in the last month or two when people were talking about different seedings, especially for the team that uh, has their games on this station, the Regina Pats, um, it was, yeah. well, you know, it'll be great if they get in the playoffs, but they can't finish in eighth because whoever finishes in eighth will get slaughtered uh, by the Winnipeg Ice. Um everybody else looks at the team that you're covering as the top dog what about from the perspective from where you are have they been careful about i don't know portraying themselves as favorites i mean i mean is there a mindset there that uh that that they have to change that thought within the dressing room in order to keep everybody humble keep everybody hungry
5: Yeah, they haven't worried about the standings all year, Uh, even when the Canadian Hockey League announces their weekly top 10 rankings between the Western League, the Ontario League, and the Quebec Major Junior. You know, Winnipeg was kind of up there all season long, but it was never, ever discussed. And I think that was the right way to do it, just because you don't want to try and inflate the ego or try and get players maybe overconfident. I think you want to have them in the right mindset going through, and... I think they did that against Medicine Hat. Like, three of the four games against the Tigers were really one-goal games. The only game that was lopsided was game three. They won 7-2, and they had a few bounces go their way, and, you know, kind of things went off the rails a little bit for Medicine Hat, discipline-wise. And that game got lopsided. But other than that, uh, you know, when I guess you are a top of the division and, and the league, for that matter, everybody gives you their best. So uh, I know that uh, I expect that coming in here tonight for Game 1 against Moose Jaw for sure.
3: Yeah, Brian, there's a lot happening in the hockey scene right now, of course, in Winnipeg with the with the Jets getting set to kick off the postseason. Is there any sort of buzz in Winnipeg around this, I mean, juggernaut team? How's the Wayne Fleming Arena going to be looking tonight and for the rest of the series?
5: Yeah, it's sold out tonight, so uh, a lot of excitement, obviously, for the first two games of the series, and and you're right. It's it's a great time to have playoff hockey around. And I know I'm probably opening a wound here with Regina falling out. I was, you know, on my edge of my seat watching that series with uh, Saskatoon in the first round to see how it would play out. And I was born in your city, so I've got a, a soft spot for the Pats. I was a season ticket holder as a kid, so it would have been neat to see them. But obviously it didn't happen. But, yeah, to have the Jets, to have the Moose, to have the ice all going right now uh, – There's a lot of hockey excitement here in the Manitoba capital for sure.
1: Well, we'll never know how it would have played out, but I always felt like the Pats would have matched up very well against the Winnipeg ice compared to a lot of other teams. And if for no other reason, the Bedard factor, um, did you feel that way at all? Uh, did you think that Regina might've been able to give the ice a legitimate run if they had been able to get through round one?
5: Well, I think any team that you play in a series is, is going to give them a chance, uh, you know, the one thing I look at, I guess, when you're based on regular season standings, Moose Jaw finished with 85 points and Regina had 72. So Mark O'Leary would come out and say, well, we were the better team during the regular season. Uh, how the regular season series went against the Pats, I have no idea to kind of get them to go back and forth. But uh, tell you what, the last few years of, of watching 98 play, it was uh, fun to watch. And, and obviously he did something for junior hockey that nobody has ever done Dating back to the last 150 years or whatever it is of, of Western Hockey League play. And it wasn't just Connor, too, right? Tanner Howell had a great year. Stanislav Svozil, Alexander Suzdalov. Drew Sim, I thought, was really good for them and net what he needed to be. You know, Tanner Brown, we saw last year come in and, and play this year with you guys as a 20 year old. Like, yeah, Connor got all the headlines, but, uh, you know, John and those guys put a really good team together, and, and they're going to be good again next year, too. It's going to be fun to watch.
3: Does the Wayne Fleming Arena kind of feel like like an SJHL type venue when it gets bumping like this in the playoffs. I mean, it's like, I don't know the capacity. What is it about 1500 people or so for ice hockey, Brian? 2000, 2000. So do you kind of get like flashbacks of, you know, your SJHL days when you're calling games for the Winnipeg ice at the Wayne Fleming? Does it have the same sort of feel?
5: Yeah, it's, you know, it's just a tiny bit smaller, but it reminds me of Prince Albert and Swift current. Like it really does. It, uh, it reminds me of the old crush can and moose job. Like, there's not a bad seat in the house. I'm, I'm looking around the building here right now, and there's two, four, six, there's nine rows of stands that are kind of set up in a U-shape facing the benches where we broadcast above, and I'm 18 feet off the ice. So you can't get a better spot than this to call a game, other than maybe the Art Hauser Center in Prince Albert, because you're right on top of it as well there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's fun, and... When the building is is jammed as it will be here tonight, uh, it's tough to move around, and everybody kind of gets locked into their spot, and you're set for uh, for a really good hockey game.
1: There's something awesome about that, isn't there? Like I covered the SJHL for three years, and uh, I yeah. love you know broadcasting games being so close. Um, I, I remember at one point the league put out a memo because some of the radio broadcasters were you know, whining and complaining as we like to do, uh, that the period would start before it was supposed to and we'd still have commercial spots to run. And I remember the referee (laughs) looking up at me, pointing, waiting for me to signal the start. And I'm like, I have so much power here. And I look down and some of the players, I remember Kyle Pellerin playing on the Bruins, looking up at me saying, Maguire, let's go. And there was just something great about being so close and so part of it. And you don't get that in the NHL, do you?
5: No, but they never jump the end of the intermission there either, though, because they've got huge bills to pay with television and radio broadcast rates. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Brendan, because I had the same thing going when I was in Belford. Uh, I would, and we were all kind of around the same age at that point when you're coming through I'm Obviously, a little bit older now, but uh, I would do the same thing. Like you'd give uh, you'd give the little signal to the guys uh, that are officiating the game or you were as close at some point. I remember one game in Notre Dame. I yelled down because, as you know, like you're right right on top of the ice there, right? And the, I think there may have been 100 people watching. I think it was the Nipplewood Hawks and the Notre Dame Hounds that night, and they were kind of getting ready to go, and I just yelled, no, wait! And one of the refs looked up, and I kind of gave them my like, flash, like 10 fingers up for I needed another 10 seconds, and they hung out. So uh, it's neat to see that that, camaraderie still continues and uh, those are the things you remember right
1: uh, I and be honest did you ever stall just because you could
5: <laughs> no no okay. I no, I I not that I remember anyway I, I will tell you do we have one minute here you've
7: got lots of time
5: okay so uh, I was in Prince Albert you might be listening right now because I know he's a huge fan of your show Alan Smith was uh, a referee back in the day in the Western Hockey League and the booth in Prince Albert is right over uh, the referees area there, too, the half moon at Centre They're standing there for old Canada. And my color analyst, Brian Glenn, and I, we always had our big jug of water for, for the night, and I scooped out some ice cubes. and I started tossing them over the edge, just trying to put them around, and all of a sudden you could see the little snicker from all four of the referees. Well, lo and behold, <laughs> so we chuck about eight or nine of these things from the booth down on the ice during the anthem, and it's just a little flick. So nobody in the building knew what was going on, except for the four on-ice officials and myself and my color analyst, Brian Glenn. Well, lo and behold, the last one, I hit Al right in the top of the head. Oh,
1: and, uh, did he I have his helmet little,
5: on? Oh, no, of course oh, not. Oh, because the anthem, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay,
1: yeah, yeah, okay,
5: Yep. So, uh, yeah, so I got the little sideways look up top. and He's one of my best friends. He was in my wedding party, and uh, we still chuckle about that 20-some years later.
1: Well, thankfully he wasn't concussed enough to uh not be your no, friend no. anymore. A small and, little uh, piece of ice. Yeah, small yeah. Li- that was when everybody was tough in the nineties. You could do that sort of That's thing. Right. You can't do That's that right. anymore. Hey, listen, <laughs> this has been great. Um I'm excited about this series and I have to admit I got a big part of uh my love of uh play by play broadcasting from the great Rob Carney and listening to the Moose Jaw Warrior games. So um I oh, do the hot we- stove lounge. The hot stove lounge, baby, in the in the basement that was of the of the crushed can. And um uh, you know, even though I do work on the voice of the Regina Pat station, 620 CKRM, uh, always truly a Moose Jaw fan at heart. So uh, excited about this series and uh, enjoy the call. You never know when you're going to get another exciting series like the matchup you have that starts this weekend.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And obviously uh, looking forward to games three and four coming back uh, in the new rink in Moose Jaw, too, which is uh, another great venue. And hopefully we got a great crowd. That's a fun series.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big reason everybody's whining here about wanting a new arena. Moose Jaw has something nicer than us, and we just can't have that. So, No,
5: no, that's the Moose jaw Regina rivalry, right, that goes way back to the old Lenny Nielsen and Theron Flurry and Mike Sillinger and Oh, yeah. Even, I, I know where you're going on those.
1: Even even further than that. Have a great weekend, Brian. Enjoy the games. You got it, guys. Take care. That is Brian Munns. Um Formerly of Melfort Radio, Prince Albert Radio, Edmonton Radio, Winnipeg Radio. He's been all over the prairies doing hockey at all levels. Um, His team, the Winnipeg Ice, starts their second-round series against the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, tonight. And, uh, Zinger, it just hit me. We're down to, what, the Warriors and the Blades uh, still going in the playoffs, and I suspect it's the Warriors who... I I think the Warriors have a better crack at moving on, even though I know the Blades are the higher seed and they're playing a team like Red Deer who's maybe inferior. But uh, I have a good feeling about the Warriors. Hey, I think I told you this. Maybe it was you I told, but I'll I'll, I'll tell the listener. (laughs) The,
3: The other day or this past week, I took my wife to her very first ever Regina Pats game. Oh, yeah. And she was just loving it, right? Like, after the game, she was like, can we go to another one next week? And I was like, well, it depends. If the Pats win on Monday, then we'll be in round two. But of course, that didn't happen. It wasn't in the cards. It wasn't in the cards. And my wife comes to me and is like, well, is there another hockey game that we could go to? Uh, Any, like, around the city? And I was like, well, technically... Yes, the Moose Jaw Warriors are in the second round. But unfortunately for us, all their home
1: games in
3: this series are weekday uh, games. So we, we won't be able to go. But I thought they, you
1: were going to say sold out
3: probably no, no. the case too. But if they do advance against the Winnipeg Ice to the third round and they do have a like a, a weekend game, I would love to go see a game in... Uh, it's no longer Mosaic Place, I guess. It's the Moose Jaw Community Event Center, I believe it's called. But Somebody was too cheap to renew the sponsorship. Yeah, so I've never
1: seen a game there before, so I would love to see one. You're missing out. Yeah. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more of the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Friday
1: edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Still ahead on this edition of the program, this week's Chase the Ace, and we will also check in with Farhan Lalji out of TSN on the West Coast. Manny Rugamba of the BC Lions will check in and give us his thoughts on the Lions' new unis, because uniforms matter, Zinger. Oh, yeah. You know that, as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, who was it, um... Oh, gee, what was his name? The running back. Ricky Waters, I think, was his name in the 90s. And he says, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. And if you play good, you get paid good. I think so, Deion Sanders has said that before, too, right? Well, I think Ricky stole it from Dion. Oh, but, I see. Or vice versa. But
3: Yeah, I remember Ricky. R- remember those little uh, figurines? They were called headliners. Do you remember those? It was a 90s type thing. Maybe you didn't collect them, but they were like... Maybe two inches high. And I just remember vividly, I had a Ricky Waters headliner. So right when you said his name there, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember him.
1: He's a good player. In his Philadelphia. No, actually, he was wearing well, he's, his. He was with the Niners. Then he went yeah. to the Eagles. He, he was... got paid yeah. by the Eagles. Yeah, The, the like, headliner I had was when he was on uh, the Seahawks, I believe. But anyways. Have you been paying any attention to the drama around the sale of the Washington Commanders? uh not not too much, I mean, I saw it on
3: Twitter, read a few articles. I'm just glad I think it's a good thing that Dan Snyder is no longer the owner um or has any involvement whatsoever yeah, I think that's I think no one can argue that's probably a good thing that's probably the thoughts that I have on it outside of that I mean. Let's roll. Hopefully, I mean, let's be honest. There hasn't been more of a. There hasn't been many more teams in the National Football League over the past like twenty twenty five years that have been that bad at number one. Like drafting, just performance. Like they've been r- a really bad team for a very long time, and I think a big part of that is because obviously it starts up top. Dan Snyder, he's a really bad owner. So when you have a bad owner, it just
1: only trickles down.
3: So I think it's good
1: that he's out the door. You know, a lot of people are saying they're not happy that he's getting paid. He's getting this big payday. um, $6 billion or was it $8 billion? But you know what, I've read read and I've done some research about how that all works. And um, there's one estimate out there that his capital gains that he's gonna have to pay is gonna be north of $2.5 billion. He's carrying a whole bunch of debt already. And by the time he wipes all that out, he's probably down around maybe $2 billion. And you might say, well, still, why would you feel sorry for him? And then on top of that, uh, one of the big issues is that he kept fighting with the league, the NFL, about whether or not they would indemnify him against future lawsuits. He wanted that to be part of his exit package. And uh, Roger went to his other bosses and they all said, get bent. Mm. So he's probably going to face some lawsuits here. And, and especially given the fact that everybody knows that he just got a payday, you know, he's going to pay the best lawyers. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be fine at the end of it, but his net worth will have shrunk considerably considerably and uh of course that doesn't include the fact he no longer has his prized hobby horse the washington A guy like uh, that don't deserve money like that and Ooh. so so to me it's very just what is happening and um i was going to call them the washington he refused to name them other than what their name was before yeah. so
3: the new owner uh, josh harris i believe owner of uh, the philadelphia 76ers and uh, new jersey devils i've, I've never heard of them i yeah, know not nothing me either, about them so
1: uh, that's the guy who is has agreed in principle to buy it, the Commanders. Well, it's not the uh, Canadian who is bidding on it, which is good, because I want that guy to maybe buy the Argos and actually yeah, put some spirit that? into it and actually yeah. put some personality into it. But um, maybe it's not a big enough entity to get him excited. He's got all the daddy's money. Make it money a big that- entity. Make it a big entity, baby. News is next. You're listening to The Sports Cage, presented by Nelson Holmes on Rider Radio 620 CKRM.
0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the radio octagon. This is The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball here's Brendan McGuire
1: and Sean Kleisinger also with us on the Sports Cage on this Friday edition for uh, Nelson Homes and I was going to mention um, in addition to uh, the daily sponsor of Nelson Homes supplying home packages and RTMs for over sixty five years we will hear from Bob Stoffer of the Edmonton Oilers radio network coming up this is the last night of the NHL regular season. Until Monday, when uh, the playoffs get going. And I'll be very curious to playoffs. hear what Bob thinks of the idea of, or what John Lou said, um, when we had him on earlier saying that he thought the Winnipeg Jets would have a better chance against the Vegas Golden Knights than they would against the Oilers. Paying the Oilers the ultimate respect zinger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we know the playoff matchups now. Eh? I know there's, like you said, there's one matchup left, but we know the Kings will be taking on...
3: The Oilers. the Oilers, just like
1: last year, and they're five points apart again, except now Edmonton's the two-seed instead of Los Angeles. Rangers, Devils, I mean, that's going to be a, some kind of series. I mean, both teams
3: relatively close to each other geographically. So, uh, Panthers. The so
1: Lincoln, Lincoln Tunnel Series. Yeah,
3: there we go. Panth- Although I guess it's not anymore where the Devils are. But, anyways, carry on. Panthers, Bruins. Uh, I don't have it up in front of me, but Islanders, uh, Islanders Hurricanes, I believe, is the other one. And I think the Avalanche are still kind of waiting to see who they're playing in the next round. I could be mistaken. I'm no expert like Bob Stoffer is, who's a. Or do the Avalanche. No, yeah, I don't think the Avalanche know who they're Avalanche,
1: playing. Avalanche, um,. No, it'll be the um, the Avalanche could still leapfrog Dallas. That's, That's right. what it is. Yep. So if they do so, then they will play the Seattle Kraken there you go. in the uh, first round. And in that case, Dallas would go against, sorry, I'm just doing some quick math, though Minnesota Wild. So they'll both play Minnesota and Seattle. They just don't know who, uh, who it'll be yet. And I guess those are series nobody here really cares about anyways.
3: But- Lightning Leafs for what, like the sixth year in a row, it seems like? Maybe it's only the second year in a row, but...
1: Ugh. How about Corey Perry? He's lost in the Stanley Cup Finals three years in a row. <laughs> yeah, he lost with the Habs, and then the year after, he jumped ship. It was what? the Stars in the COVID bubble. In yeah, Edmonton. yeah, that's right. And then, and then with the Habs, and then with the Lightning. Yeah. One, two, three. He lost in the Finals. Of course. He has um, a cup, though, back in the day with the with the Ducks, Oh, correct? yeah. No, nobody, nobody needs to feel sorry for him. Yeah. No, it worked out uh, just fine for him. By the way, um, you excited for the Red Sox? Dinner coming up a week from tomorrow. That's one Get's week from Brothers. tomorrow. Yep.
3: Kirby Center, and uh, I could be mistaken, but I think there might be a few spots still available uh, for purchase. So if you want to see the details, ReginaRedSox.com dot com is the place to go. Get a hold of a uh, Red Sox president, Gary Brotsel, and. Head on over there. There's always a lot of great items up for bid in auction. I remember a couple of years ago, remember when we were up on the stage with Mr. Matt Stairs? There yep. was a lot of great memorabilia kicking around there. So if you're a sports fan, baseball fan, football fan, they got all of that kind of stuff there to bid on at the Turvey Center. And that's, that's such a big fundraiser for the team. Like, you could argue, if they don't have that dinner in auction every year, it would be very difficult you know, to feel the team every year. That's a big fundraiser for the team. It's great to, uh, to, uh, support a local ball team. So if you have an open evening next Saturday, go check it out. The Turvy Center, just a tad bit north of Regina. I think technically it is in Regina city limits, but. Let's be honest. So you have well, to drive up that highway for what two minutes to get there, so it's not that far.
1: Yeah, it's an easy drive. But they've always had great guests at the the event too. They had Jose Canseco one year. Uh, they had uh, probably the greatest night of my life. I got to interview Todd Stottlemyre on stage. Like, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, they always have really really good guests, and um, you know Cito, not just Gaston going, Cito Gaston, Cito Gaston, yeah. yeah, and that was a great interview. Um, so they've never ever chinst out on getting somebody up on stage did you do that one no 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 that was uh that was done before me so but that was fine i enjoyed it and that was okay too and uh michael ball will be the MC of the event and uh he always does a bang-up job of that as well and this might be the only time that the getzlaff brothers are on stage together so check them out uh you can chime in by uh, sending us a text on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306-936-6262 or call us toll free at 1-866-767-0620. Follow us on Twitter at SportsCage is the handle. When we come back, we will be joined by Bob Stauffer, who has the night off from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. You're listening to a Nelson Holmes Friday edition of the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM.
0: Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM.
5: In a pushing match. Delia with the loose puck out in front. Emma Zollerberg.
4: What a re. Getting her sick in the lane. Nurse now. She loves it. Fire down. Sarah Nurse scores in overtime.
6: Canada is off to the semifinals.
3: And that's our own Daniela Ponicelli on the call on TSN. Canada survives a scare against Sweden. Sweden forces overtime, but you heard it there. Sarah Nurse pots one home. Canada wins. Now they are off to the semi-final where they will take on team switzerland tomorrow sarah nurse your overtime winner and your sports cage clutch performer for nick service in emerald park your local massey ferguson challenger rogator gleaner and fan dealer give them a call at 781
0: 1077 you're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan rough riders the sports cage on 620 ckrm Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger with you on the Friday
1: edition of The Sports Cage. Listen to Daniela P getting the TSN call for the Women's World Hockey Championships. She's moving up in the world. Okay. From hanging out with low class like us. Like uh, me. Doing the broadcast, especially like you. In a stinky sweatshirt. Just going, oh, you got the U of Rams thing going? Yeah, it's not stinky. It's beautiful, isn't it? Very nice. Uh, this edition of the Sports Cage is presented by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. A little bit later in the program, we will go to the West Coast and... Uh, hear from a player's perspective about the BC Lions' new threads. Also, Luke Mullender will join us on the program. The Calm Before the Storm for Cool Hand Luke as well. It's going to be a busy uh, summer and fall for him. And Chase the Ace uh, still coming up a little bit later when we go down the hall here at Harvard World Headquarters uh, to be joined by CKRM Program Director Abby White to check out this week's winner of the Chase the Ace program. Program In mere moments, we will be joined by Bob Stoffer of the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. And of course, as I mentioned as well, you can chime in on the discussion. Uh, at Sports Cage is the Twitter handle. You can join in through the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306 936 or call us toll free at one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. I had a little bit of time to think about that call that we had um, on Monday from John in Regina who... Uh, uh, made, said a very unkind description of Drew Sim. He called him Drew, oh, yeah. you know, something that rhymes with live. Yeah, uh, but for a goaltender, and uh, I thought that's a bit low class, don't you think? Absolutely, man. Drew Sim had an absolute you heard Mike, stellar of a game. You heard in game Brian Munn say that he thought that he played really, really well this year. It's and and, uh, flying here. Sorry, it's, I know it's, it's got, but but it's kind of interesting because um, I remember being at a WHL game years and years ago when the GM of the Winnipeg Ice, Matt Cockle, was a goalie for the Pats, mm-hmm. and I remember somebody at the it was then called the Agrodome was sitting behind us and he's yelling. Siv, 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 you know just picking on him and this one um gentleman looks back at him and he says you know he's just a kid and he's like he's a baby and you know he's heckling him and all this and um really like that was wrong you shouldn't do that but that's my whole issue with the age range that we have in junior hockey i think a fan it, it, it's kind of a place where you get to do some of that yeah right? you can come out you can have a few drinks you can throw out a few names as long as it's not obscenity laden and I feel like it would be a lot more appropriate if all of the athletes were at least adults mm-hmm. and not some of them still in high school
3: and that kind of got me thinking has nothing to do with junior hockey or anything <laughs> but it got me thinking the other night when I was watching the Blue Jay game how the new bullpen is kind of elevated in the outfield and literally the fans are just right on top mm-hmm. of the pitchers and they it sh- totally
1: encourages all that yeah they, yeah. they showed
3: yeah. a a shot of a Blue Jays fan like absolutely getting in the grill of a Tigers pitcher who was making his way onto the field, and I kind of thought like, ooh, this is a little different.
1: I don't think they've put up any netting around there either, and I'm curious to see how long that will last, but uh, we will... Just have to wait and see. Now joined on the Western Pizza Hotline from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network, Bob Stauffer joins us. Bob, we had John Liu on the show earlier this week and asked him the question who he thought would be a better matchup for the Jets to play in the first round before it had been determined, Vegas or Edmonton. And he seemed pretty firm that he thought the Jets would have a better crack against the Golden Knights than they would against the almighty Edmonton Oilers who you cover. I would say that's a pretty good compliment for the oil, is it not?
8: I think that also is a sign, uh, Brendan, that uh, John was in Montreal two years ago when Winnipeg played Edmonton in the playoffs and then came uh, back to his home city because, you know, the Jets, I think there was a sentiment out there, well, Edmonton lost to Winnipeg two years ago. As you know, in four straight, they lost three games in overtime. Um, I mean, the the Oilers are playing well. they got a much better team than they had from a couple seasons ago. The reality is, and you guys know this because you know Kelly McCrimmon, Vegas has done a good job, and they've had a good year. So I'll take it as a compliment from John. I know that our fan base was, uh, you know, maybe 10 days ago to 12 days ago before they played L.A. at home. The letters, I think the fan base was a little nervous about the Kings, and they've limited L.A. to two, uh, one goal against them The two meetings and basically beat L.A. 2-0 and 3-1 playing LA style of game. That's changed the complexion of things. Um, and as for Winnipeg, I think any time you got a Vezina Trophy winner and goal uh, in a short uh, series, a short sample size, in the back of your mind, you're whether wondering whether or not a guy could stone you. And uh, some of your listeners would recall two years ago, that's what happened between Edmonton and Winnipeg. I mean, Connor Hellebuck, the Jets had the lead for less than 20 minutes in that series but Edmonton couldn't put Winnipeg away in games three and four in Winnipeg and ultimately won in overtime. So uh, the Oilers are a different team. They're a better team. They're the league's best team for the last 40 games, and uh, we'll see what uh, transpires here in the playoffs.
1: Edmonton Oilers Radio Network Analyst Bob Stauffer joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. There's something pretty magical about Edmonton, Los Angeles in the playoffs, I think. Um, For for a lot of us, I think it it will always be linked because of the Gretzky thing. And a lot of people forget that after Gretzky was traded, it's not like the Oilers just completely imploded and the Kings were great. Uh, They met each other in the playoffs for four straight seasons, and the Oilers won three out of those four matchups and got a cup, and the Kings didn't. Um, Is there something that gives people goosebumps, you think, about Edmonton, Los Angeles in the playoffs? and always will because of that forever connection
8: if you don't mind me asking what year were you born <laughs> Nin-
1: 1982 i turned i just turned 40
8: <laughs> all right so i'm uh you know i was right in my wheelhouse uh you know i was 24 when the orders won their last cup in 1990 and that I'm was the first
1: a- cup that i understood what was going on so i remember it like yesterday
8: yeah there you go good for you That's awesome. Um, but there is something that occurred during the 1990 regular season that sort of mirrored what happened this year between the Oilers and the Kings. As you're aware of, uh, when Gretzky was traded in August of 88. The Oilers played L.A. in 89 and were up three games to one in that series. I've talked about this with Wayne multiple times because he traveled with their team for three seasons, which was just an incredible experience for all of us. But the Kings came back and beat Edmonton in '89, uh, uh, rallying from a three-one deficit. And uh, I remember Wayne was quite animated after they, you know, he scored an empty netter to close out the series. And I thought the Kings had taken some liberties with Edmonton during the course of that '89 playoff series. And the two teams met again in uh, February 28, 1990. It's one of the most penalized games in NHL history, and, ah. and they. Down. It was ugly. I mean, it was as old school at one point Essa Ticken and Craig Simpson were two on one in Marty McSorley in a line brawl, and it was awesome because Marty had been ducking Dave Brown the whole time. (laughs) Although the others had picked up Dave Brown and a lot of the other players will tell you they galvanized from that era. And that helped them get the fifth Stanley Cup. They swept the Kings in four straight games in 1990, he alluded to the other two series victories in which LA was the favorite in both years of 91 and 92. And Edmonton won six. So I'm bringing this up because you know it brought the team together, and we were in Los Angeles on January 9th. It was the start of the second half of the season for Edmonton. I put a tweet out that day talking about how good the orders have been in the second half the last three seasons, and the orders, you know, got torched up, uh, took a bunch of penalties early. And then the teams, uh, yes, Pugliarvi threw a big hit and the Kings got upset and Philip Deneau grabbed Pugliarvi who doesn't know how to fight and worked him over. And, uh, and the Oilers got frustrated. And Zach Hyman ended up fighting Sean Dursey, Clint Koston fought Brendan Lemieux. Evander Kane was with the team but hadn't recovered fully from his wrist injury. Uh, Vincent D'Hernay was recalled that day joining the team. And I can tell you that some of the Oilers players were not happy and it got ugly late and they were looking for to settle a score to know, and it was communicated to me that, uh, hey, when we play these guys again, it's going to be a different game. Well, fast forward to two and a half weeks ago on Thursday night or whatever, three weeks ago, and L.A. came to town, and Edmonton physically pounded the Los Angeles Kings. The Banner Kane had seven hits in the first period. The Oilers played the Kings game. Kings play a 1-3-1, one, one, very passive check, and the Oilers, you know, just played it patient game, but every hit was an investment because they thought they might be meeting L.A. again. Then we went back in L.A. uh, about a week and a half later, or five days later actually, and and the Orders won again 3-1 and Kane had five hits. So he missed the first two games between the two teams. Suddenly the Orders are a team, not just with Evander Kane up front, but they got Costin who's a bigger guy. They pick up Nick Pugestead who's 6-6 and then they added obviously Ekholm on defense and Vincent D'Arnais not to mention Darnell Nurse. The Oilers are not a small team anymore, and they're physically engaged. As you know, many of your listeners are aware, Leon Drysaddle drilled Mikey Anderson, first shift of that game in Edmonton. Mikey Anderson's the same guy who uh, basically broke Leon Drysaddle's ankle last year in the playoffs. Drysaddle played through a high ankle sprain. There is something magical, Brendan, but it gets a little nasty. That's what good rivalries have. These teams don't like each other. Todd McClones, the former head coach of the Oilers, was, you know, his mind maybe unceremoniously dumped in San Jose, where he used to coach, by Pete Sherelli. Jay Woodcroft was his his right hand guy. So you've got the teacher and the pupil coaching against one another. They respect each other. The teams respect each other, but they don't like each other, and that tends to make for good series.
1: Well, I love the historical connections, and I think about that kind of stuff all the time. And you've mentioned a lot of similarities from that 1990 season to 2023. So, is it going to have the same result for your Oilers? Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Hey, I'm really up against it, but uh, in 30 seconds or less, does anybody in Edmonton care uh, about the Calgary Flames missing the playoffs, or is there some celebrating and some snickering going on? Oh.
8: No, no, no. I, I mean, I'm disappointed. I wanted a battle for Alberta, a battle for Alberta. But, uh, no, there's a lot of fans rejoicing over the Flames' demise this season.
1: It's a, That's a great rivalry. I always feel like that province is pretty well united on a lot of things. Sports is not one of them, and uh, that's what I love about Alberta. The Battle of Alberta rivalry is probably as good as any you're going to find in sports anywhere. Well, as always, we're out of time. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy having some nights off for a change, and uh, rest up, because you're going to be busy here in the next few weeks. Thanks, Brandon. Take care. That is Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. His club will be starting the postseason early next week against the Los Angeles Kings. Time to break on the sports cage. Coming up next, this week's Chase the Ace. You're listening to the sports cage, presented by Nelson Holmes on Rider Radio 620 CKRM.
3: It's 432 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. All you got to do is give them a call at 781-2090. Game one of the SJHL Championship goes tonight in North Battleford. It's the Flin Flon Bombers versus the Juggernaut Battleford's North Stars. We heard from the voice of the Bombers, Rob Hart, to kick off the show. He's ready to roll. Game one, puck drop at 730 tonight.
0: The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game.
3: Friday CFL report is for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell kevinsmarine.com. That's the place to go to check it all out. And this is what Rider Nation is all about. Frankie Hickson staying around the community all off-season long, taking in events, going to schools, chatting with children. Here's the voice of Frankie Hickson and how he's enjoying his off-season here in Saskatchewan.
6: Yeah, I don't think you can really grab a hold of that concept until you've actually been out in the community. I think those home games Um, every time we, we get a chance to, to play in Mosaic Stadium, I think you, you kind of feel how, how big it is and how, um, strong Rider Nation is. But until you actually get out into the community, you see the kids, you see the, the looks on parents and, and teachers' faces when you're, you know, you're, you're saying some, some good advice to the next generation. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you can't really tell what it's all about until, until you you see that for yourself. And it's a blessing, honestly. Um, I kind of stepped out on faith coming early to Saskatchewan and, um, you know, stand for the winner. Um, but it's been worth it. It's even more, so much more than I could have ever imagined.
3: That's cool. Uh, as you travel
5: Saskatchewan, tell us about some of your uh, interesting Adventures, or did
9: anything wacky happen at all?
6: Oh, no, I mean, no, nothing, nothing too crazy, nothing too wacky. Uh, <laughs> I'd say, just honestly, the the joy that the the kids have brought me, and um, even just seeing how how dedicated these teachers are in Saskatchewan, it, it, it gives me a lot of hope for the next generation. All I want to do is be a part of the change, to just to be the change.
3: Riders running back Frankie Hickson
0: on today's CFL report. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan riders is on the sports cage, right here on the mighty six twenty CKRM. Yeah.
1: Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Still ahead on this edition of the program, we will go to the West Coast. We've got two guests joining uh, Farhan Lalji of TSN, Manny Rugamba of the BC Lions to uh, tell us what he thinks about the Lions' new threads, and of course, Luke Mullinder in hour three, still ahead on this edition of the show. But right now, for this week's edition of Chase the Ace, we head down the hallway here at harvard world headquarters here's abby white
10: uh thank you very much brennan uh appreciate everybody being here on a friday cindy fuchs uh back uh in the saddle with us again how are you doing
11: good yeah i took a couple of weeks off didn't i <laughs> well
10: that's all right you're allowed to
11: i guess so yeah, yeah.
10: absolutely uh okay so we are week six of uh Version two of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace. Uh, our uh, seated jackpot is still sitting at ten thousand dollars. Our uh, weekly prize this week nine hundred and one dollar. Right is uh, where we're going to go. So yep. let's uh, just dive into it. Let's get ourselves okay. a winner here, and uh, and we'll talk about a couple of things that uh, you guys got coming up. So
11: this winner today is from Warman, Saskatchewan. Neil Feifrel? Neil, Neil Feifrel. Of Warman, you said? Warman, yeah.
10: Okay, all right. Um, we'll get our, <laughs>
11: uh,
10: our our runner to run down the uh, hallway, and we'll see if we can get a hold of uh, Neil to... Uh, select a card from our deck of one of 52, and if they get the uh, Ace of Spades, the Braden Lenny's card, they'll win that $10,000. So uh, while we're waiting waiting to see if we get a hold of of our winner today, Neil, let's talk about... this comedy event that uh, you guys have coming up pretty quick, actually.
11: Yeah, actually at the end of the month, we're actually, um, offering, uh, it's called Punchline Comedy Night. And so it goes, all the funds go to our mental wellness program. And the best part of mental wellness is laughter. So that's why we're offering a comedy night here in Regina and in Saskatoon.
10: Excellent. Okay. So it's the 29th in Regina.
11: Yep. Saturday. And-
10: Okay, and then is it, so is it the Friday night in Friday the, in,
11: Saskatoon. in Saskatoon. so We're going to be on that highway um, moving our comedian back and forth. So, we're really excited to be able to do it in both cities uh rather than just Regina this year.
10: Now, a little birdie told me that uh our new quarterback might be in attendance at this event.
11: Yeah, that'll be his first uh player appearance for the foundation and the foot, foot the Rider Football Club um just before training camp. So, if you want to check uh check him out and get a sneak peek and hear a little bit from him. It's also a good time to do that.
10: So now, do does he have to
11: get up and do a little stand-up routine? Or? Well, I don't know if we'll make him do comedy, but we will. We <laughs> do have a plan that he's going to do an event for us at the event. So that'll be fun. He'll be greeting all of our guests as they're coming in. It's great for him to meet Rider Nation, for and sure. this is a great way to do it.
10: But you imagine if he went out and just slayed the crowd for five minutes with It'd non-stop jokes, everybody'd be like, "What? Who is this guy?" Yeah, awesome.
11: yeah. Maybe he'll surprise us. You yeah. never know. Excellent.
10: Right? For for anybody that wants to get tickets for the comedy event, uh, best way to do that.
11: Yeah. At riderville.com and it says uh, foundation, and then it's under punchline comedy, and there's sixty dollars ticket, really cheap, great way to support the foundation.
10: And honestly, when's the last time you went to a comedy show? Like they're the best.
11: I know. There's nothing better than laughing for two hours. Yeah. With your friends, colleagues, yeah, pals.
10: Hundred percent. Okay, it sounds like we've got our uh, chase the ace uh, winner Neil uh, joining us on the line. Neil, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Excellent. How do you say your last name, Neil? We didn't want to mess it up here.
5: Pepperly. That's the way we. I would have got Pepperly.
10: that. I would have got that totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and how are things in warming today? Things are good in warming. Mm-hmm. A- excellent. Well, we got good news. You are the uh, winner this week of the Sketch and Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace. So you have uh, won nine hundred and one dollar. That's okay. guaranteed money in your pockets. Uh, but you have a chance to win $10,000 by choosing the Ace of Spades, the Brain Lennius card. So uh, we've had five numbers selected from our deck of 1 to 52. If you uh, do call out uh, one of those uh, numbers and it's been chosen, we'll get you to pick again. All right? So uh, we yep. need you to pick a number between 1 and 52.
9: Okay, has 29 been selected?
10: 29 has not been selected, so we're going to go with that one. I just got to find it here. There it is. Okay. We got envelope 29. I'm going to pass it over to Cindy. Cindy is going to open it up, and hopefully we're putting 10K in your jeans. Are you nervous? Well, not happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it is not the Ace of Spades.
11: It's a Jack of Diamonds.
10: <laughs> Jack of Diamonds, yes. So, uh, not ten grand for you, but uh, nine hundred one dollar. That should get you at least a few tanks of gas, anyway. So, sounds good, and enough to buy some more tickets for next week.
5: You betcha. Because
10: the bonus is you can win over and over again with this. Because uh, it is a lotto, so it resets. And we've seen it every week, and we have seen it. Yes, we have seen it. it Mister Stillborn happen. won a few times. So, yes. um, how did you? Uh, did you buy just uh, um, for the week, or are you under a subscription?
12: I'm subscription.
10: I've been there you go. See, for the last little while. See, isn't the isn't the uh, you know the convenience of the subscription is great because you don't have to really worry about it anymore. You're just automatically in. That's right. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, excellent. Well, Neil, congratulations. Nine hundred one dollars and um, Cindy from the uh, foundation. They'll get a hold of you next week and uh, and uh, make sure they get their uh, cash to you. So uh, good luck. Maybe we'll be talking to you here in the near future. Okay. All right, thank you so much, uh, Cindy. Any closing words before we wrap up? I guess this, uh, as mentioned, we'll restart here at five o'clock, and people can start buying tickets for week seven as we roll on.
11: Yeah, I think it's great. You get an opportunity to support great causes, which is you know mental wellness as well as our amateur football in the province, and you can win ten thousand dollars.
10: It's always a bonus. Yes, yep. Cindy, thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be back with more of the sports cage here on six twenty CKRM.
0: Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Friday edition of the Sports
1: Cage carries on. For Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Still ahead, Luke Mullinder will join us in the final half hour of the program. Talk a little bit of CFL and Saskatchewan Rough Rider football. What are we now, Zinger? Six weeks, not even, that from training is a camp? Good qu- it's we
3: are like a month away, man. Can you believe that? Almost a month away. Feels like just yesterday that the. Uh, Let's get this snow out of here, though, huh? Like it, this weather's teasing us. One day it's sunny. You look outside and think, okay, yeah, football season's coming. Then the
1: next day it snows. It's playing with our with our emotions, you know. Well, Martin, Zinger don't like it. Mar- March and April in Saskatchewan always was a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're gonna get. Yes, And, of I, and I and I remember, um, well, uh, Dickinson was on earlier this week, and he said he feels like when they go to training camp, they're just tickling the edges of winter. Mm-hmm. And um, there's been some chatter that they'd like to move things up even a little bit further, but he doesn't think that they can. He just talks about getting rid of those two bye weeks. And I think that's really the uh, the idea here is when they get the 10th team. And I do think a 10th franchise will happen. Yeah. I give the commissioner credit for being um, full speed ahead. And uh, I think he just decided that they needed to fix the Montreal ownership situation, so he dropped everything he was doing, he put his head down, he didn't do any interviews, and he just got it done. And I think he's learned from that, and he said, you know, we're just going to take the same approach to getting the Atlantic franchise, and it's a really, really interesting approach, because most sports leagues who have tried doing it that way... um, have found some disastrous results or some really bad results because if you get a franchise going and they don't have a suitable facility, then you go through the nightmare of trying to get a proper facility built. You'd rather just have it built from the very get-go, mm. uh, but the CFL has realized that that's just not going to happen in the maritime, so they're going to go about it a different way. Congratulations to Neil Pykroll of Warman, Saskatchewan. $901 from the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace. Zinger, what would you do this weekend if you won $901? I
3: would... Uh Uh, buy a Western pizza, probably extra large Western pizza. Make make that two of them. One ham and pineapple, one triple crown. And if you don't know what triple crown is, well, let me tell you, it's pepperoni, green pepper, and mushrooms. And you can slap extra cheese on both of those puppies. That's what I would do. And I would be left with what? Uh, 800 bucks. Uh, Probably a bit more than that, even. Yeah. I don't know what I would do, Brendan McGuire. I'd probably just give it to you
1: because you're a good man. That sounds like a typical Zinger answer. The most excitement he'd get from newfound Wealth is a Western Pizza. By the Mm -hmm. way, all guests uh, who appear on the Western Pizza hotline for Western Pizza, check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine in specials. Very excited about training camp coming up. I feel like the world is... um, more and more progressing to the way it should be, and I actually expect that we will see less and less empty seats this season with the Rough Riders uh, losing nine of their last 11 games a year ago. You know, I see so much positive for the Canadian Football League compared to year one post-pandemic. Things didn't go so well, but we were just happy to have the games on again, and year two I thought was much better. Now, we didn't feel that so much here because the entertainment value wasn't there at the Rider games. Uh, Night after night, being at the Rider games it was it, it was just lacking there was wasn't a lot of energy and uh, i think rob Banstone said it best after the last home game of the year he said someone texted him and it said this is pure torture and that's kind of what it felt like when uh, when they trotted out mason fine um chris acky was on the show a little bit earlier this week you'll recall and we asked him i, I wish i'd asked him more about uh, trevor harris and he gave some thoughts but here's how i interpreted his comments man i loved trevor harris and, Brendan, how does the ownership uncertainty affect the players on the field? Well, it cost us some of our best players, Trevor Harris. And um, he doesn't know anything about Fajardo. Sorry, we have somebody on the line? No, no. Rewind. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was running running out of runway there. Uh, sports cage Rewind. Uh, earlier this week, we chatted with Darren Flutie, and it was one of my favorite episodes uh, in interviews that I've done in a long time. But I have an affinity for the 1990s, so it was an easy one. And uh, he told us some stories about coming to Old Taylor Field. We'll have a listen to that right now. <laughs> Well, I was—I was just going to ask because I remember it like yesterday, uh, going into the '98 season when Danny Mac was leaving Edmonton, or we didn't know what was going to happen, and I remember the Riders held a press conference to announce pretty well nothing, just that Danny Mac was in town, and Danny Mac said to the assembled media, you know, I've heard from a lot of people, if you ever get the chance to play in Saskatchewan, you're going to love it. And, you know, some speculated that that was just him uh, using it as leverage to get a better contract from somewhere else, and then all of a sudden, within about a week, Ronnie Lancaster announces, hey, we've got Danny Mac coming to Hamilton, and uh, we brought his buddy, too, Darren Flutie. Uh, So, I'll ask the question, do you remember visiting Regina that year, or maybe that was the year that you're, you're thinking Of and was was there was that ever serious? Did you and Danny ever seriously discuss maybe bringing your act together to Regina instead of Hamilton?
13: First of all, I think you're right. I think it was that year. So what that was after Edmonton, so before the '98 season.
1: I remember everything about the '90s, Darren. I don't remember anything since, but I know the '90s (laughs) inside and out. So you're a
13: lot like me, then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, you're correct. So. I remember D-Mac coming up to me, and he's like, he had said to me, I'm definitely out of here in Edmonton. Like, I think uh, Kay Stevenson was coming in and bringing Dave Archer right with him as the quarterback in Edmonton. So, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, well, I'm out of here, Mac, no matter what. I mean, I don't know if you want to go to the same team, or, you know, we talked a little bit about, should we go to the same team, or what do you want to do, but I was going to get out of Edmonton also, because... I don't know. I just didn't want a new quarterback and a new coach and have to prove myself all over again. And uh, we did both go to Regina, and they hosted us for a couple days, but we didn't go together. Danny went at one time, and then I went the next time. And, I mean, to be quite honest, it was about where would I get the better contract? Like I could have gone a different way than Danny at that time if, you know, the money was there and... Because at this point, uh, Terry and I had two kids, and they were probably two and four years old at that point, point. and I had to start making some money, you know, and I wanted to go to a place where I could make some money, and Hamilton really, they gave us a great deal. I think that was all Coach Lancaster. It's messed up as that could have been in Hamilton, it was a good contract.
1: Well, I th- somehow I think it worked out for you, um, getting to a couple of great cups and getting a ring, and now you're going onto the Hall of Fa- or the Wall of Fame. And um, you know, I was gonna—I'll just throw this joke out there. When I first saw that uh, Darren Flutie is going to go to the Ty Cats Wall of Fame, who else is on the Ty Cats Wall of Fame? Who can I think of in like five seconds? Hmm, Angelo Mosca, Danny Mack. Um, well, Darren Flutie's probably the skinniest guy who's going to go on the wall. So, <laughs> and I just say that to kid. And uh, but uh, but but Danny Mack is uh, one of the most beloved figures in Canadian football. And it's, uh, you know, I've never been able to fully put my finger on Why Um, He's not the greatest quarterback that I ever saw, or or that many of us ever saw. Um, He was a a really good quarterback, and and you might argue a great quarterback, Um, but there was just something about him and his personality that just fit up here. He was a guy who went to a high-profile school like Florida State, and he never seemed to think that Canada or the CFL was ever beneath him. He loved playing in the Canadian Football League. Is that a fair assessment? Am I hitting the right notes there? in uh, explaining Danny Mac. I mean, you knew you know him better than anyone.
13: Well, I agree with you 100%. And um, I think you made a great point at the end when you say that playing in the CFL wasn't beneath him. You know, I think that's a lot the way I looked at it. I was, like, very felt fortunate that there was a place I could play professionally, get paid, and just play without that fear of politics or anything coming into play. Like if I played well, I was going to stay, make some money. If I didn't play well, I'd probably get released. And everybody was very upfront with you. And to answer your question, yes, Danny, I think maybe that's one of the things we had in common so much, is that we took what we were doing extremely seriously and we worked very hard and we felt fortunate to be able to play in Canada. And we loved it. I mean, if I look back now, those are absolutely the best years of my life for football. And I think Danny felt the same way. But he's just got, yeah, like you said, a laid back personality. And his approach to the game was preparation. And when you get out there, you know, play your ass off and whatever happens, happens. And I just I can relate to that because that's the same way I look at the game. Where you live
1: today, do you get the opportunity to follow the Canadian Football League much at all, and if so, do you do you like where the game is right now?
13: I follow it as much as I can. It's a busy life, right? We live just outside of Boston, my wife and I, and it's Natick, Massachusetts, so it's like 15, 20 minutes outside of Boston. But I, I can't follow the game as much as I would like to. I'm in orthopedics now, so it's I'm in the OR a lot. And wow. It's an implant device company. So it, it's just been busy. But I think, uh, what, Hamilton drafted Jake Burke, who I knew because my son went to Boston College and Jake was a BC kid. So I started to pay attention, especially the last few years. But I missed, like I went up last year for Danny getting... Uh, inducted into the Wall of Honor for Hamilton, and Danny had to catch me up on like 20 years of Canadian Football League football. I just, you know, when I retired in 2002, I really got away from the game, and I had to get after whatever I was gonna do post-football. So I didn't follow it as much, but lately i followed it a lot more. And, you know, I actually know the teams, and who's coaching where, and the GMs, and that type of stuff. But not enough to assess, like, where the game is. But you mentioned this earlier, and I do have one thought, if I'm not rambling on too much. Not
1: at all. You, The floor is yours.
13: <laughs> Thanks. I just see all these leagues popping up. Like, I've flipped the TV, and there's an XFL, there's a USFL. There's, there's a lot of leagues that I think it may dilute My first thought was, is it diluting the talent that ends up going up to Canada? Because I hope it it doesn't. Like we traditionally had these very good American players go up and play in Canada, and the combination of the Canadian players and the American players that were up there made for a very quality personnel, right? Players. Right. Had a high level of talent up there and that was
1: Darren Flutie earlier this week on the Sports Cage Rewind one of the well, my personal favorite interviews that I've been fortunate enough to do here in uh, guest hosting the Sports Cage okay time to break when we come back we will hear from Farhan Lalji of TSN you're listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on Rider Radio 620 CKRM Saskatchewan's
0: number one sports talk show is on and now starting at Hour earlier, welcome inside the radio octagon. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire.
1: And it is a Friday edition of the Sports Cage presented by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball on this Friday edition and again on Monday. Ballsy will be back next week to kick things off and get ready for training camp uh, coming up in right around a month's time. Still ahead in Hour 3 of the program, we will hear from Luke Mullinder of the Saskatchewan Rough rider Broadcast Radio Network. And we will hear a player's perspective on the new duds for the BC Lions uh, coming up a little bit later on as well. The Blue Jays opening a series with the Tampa Bay Rays, who are, I think, 13-0 and now, and uh, the best perfect start since the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers. Under Tom Troublehorn, they had Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, And I'd get excited for them, but then when I look at how the 1987 brewers ended up uh, Maybe not so much It'll be interesting to see if the folks actually start to show up in st Petersburg to watch the Rays I check um, I was checking on ESPN for some reason I feel like a brand and credibility still matter if I'm going to read something online and uh, the Rays I think are in the bottom four already in attendance and sinking which is really quite remarkable when you think about how great the Rays have been to start the season. And it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues. Some are suggesting that baseball back to Montreal is dead, um, but yet they can break their lease in four years and they don't seem to have a full-on solution in Tampa Bay yet. And if the uh, business community in Montreal doesn't want to bring it back, I suspect the current owner might bring it back himself. Uh, and, uh I should mention that uh, you can chime in on the discussion as well, and uh, you can reach out through the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306-936-6262 or give us a call toll-free at one 866 767 Twenty. We mentioned a couple of WHL teams from Saskatchewan kicking off their playoff runs tonight. The Moose Jaw Warriors taking on the Winnipeg Ice in Winnipeg and what a lot of people suspect might be their final run in Winnipeg. Uh, apparently, the league cracking down on the ice. Um, th- there have been conflicting reports as to whether or not the league fined the ice or didn't find the ice. But either way, there have been financial penalties. And I suspect what may have happened is there's revenue sharing in the WHL. Do you know that, Zinger? Mm. Ah, uh, revenue sharing. <clears throat> they have it in the Western Hockey League. And um, they... Huh. Uh, what, so basically, a team like Winnipeg would have really, really low revenue and they would get good revenue sharing checks because, like you said, the Wayne Fleming Arena only seats fifteen, sixteen hundred 1,600 people. What did Munn say? 2,000? Yeah, he, it I, fit up yeah, he 2000. said 2,000. Two so but, it's not uh. that small, not as small as we thought, but I don't think it's a fancy arena by any stretch of the imagination. And so because they're playing in this dumpy old arena, Uh, Small arena, undersized, they probably received pretty nice-sized revenue-sharing checks. And I think what the rest of the league is saying, hey, we allowed you to move the team to Winnipeg in this crappy little arena on the premise that you'd have something new put up for us within a few years and it's been five years and there's still nothing here. So I think that's probably the issue. And, uh, many are speculating. This will be their last season and nobody can really figure out where they would go from here. There've been jokes about Estevan. Okay. That's not going to happen. I don't think Esteban wants them anyways. And, um, my not, that would be my argument. Why Whoa. not? Why not, but that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The, the one place that seems to get more attention, um, on the speculation trail for the next home of the Winnipeg ice is Chilliwack because in Chilliwack, BC they have a beautiful arena, but people forget that the WHL royally screwed them over because that city built that beautiful new arena on the promise that they would get a Western Hockey League franchise. They got the franchise and then the league, um, pushed the franchise out of there, lied about it. And eventually they got their, um, junior A team back, the Chiefs, and they're happy about that, and I don't think they want to do any business with the Western Hockey League again going forward. They've just burnt too many bridges. Okay, time to go out on the Western Pizza Hotline. We're very pleased to be joined by TSN's Farhan Lalji, and Farhan, this is the first time that i visited with you over the airwaves since, uh, I'm going to say, February 2007, on a Friday, the weekend going into Super Bowl 40 down in Miami, and we were scheduled to have Chris Schultz on, and then someone from TSN called back and said, "Um, it's Friday night on the weekend of the Super Bowl. Chris has decided he has better things to do than come on a radio show in Regina. And I said, well, why don't we put a call out to Farhan and uh, somehow we uh, snickered you into doing it. And you you came on, and I remember there was lots of music in the background, and uh, it was during commercial, and you said, when am I on? And they said, about five minutes. Okay, call me back then. There were cab rides involved. I'm going to suspect that this Friday (laughs) night is a lot less festive for you than that one was all those years ago.
9: Oh,
12: it is. You know, I'm just driving my son down to Seattle, or just outside of Seattle, Washington, for a football training session and just got off the phone with Uh, Lions owner Amar Dolman and we're just trying to multitask as much as we can So I I know you tried to call a second ago so that call went a little long so I do apologize and I do remember that because uh, Super Bowls with Chelsea were always an adventure Uh, and there were a few times where you know I got that call that said nah Chelsea's taking the pass you're up you know you got got the the little right hand on your left wrist so they call it in the left hander to make it work but yeah that Super Bowl specifically in Miami I remember really well because a crew of friends of mine from British Columbia uh, got on a flight came out there and had four great days and I just kind of got to dabble in and out of it around work so uh, I'm glad glad you
1: remember. Uh, We remember it well, just like you do, and we're glad that you enjoyed it. So, this SFU story has been getting a lot of uh, play uh, among Canadian football circles. And listen, I'll be honest, I understand that a lot of our listeners uh, here on the Prairies probably don't follow it that much and, frankly, don't care about this all that much. However, I still think it's worthy of discussion uh here on the prairies because the canadian football league means so much and this story has a really really important element about the canadian football ecosystem and the ability for the canadian football league to uh develop canadian content and uh survive and thrive uh as a result um at this point as we sit here on a friday afternoon can you put a percentage on the chances that you think the football season can be saved for 2023?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm
12: still pretty optimistic, but we're running out of time, right? There's no way around that. And to be truthful, I, I, the more and more I go through this process, the more I believe the university did it this way to run us out of runway. Because I think they knew there would be some pushback, and now they can continue to lean back on the schedule even though it was their decision to get us to this point on the schedule because they did have a schedule for 2023. So, you know, every day that goes by, you know, some Lone Star teams that were in the league we were in are going to have games filled, right? They're going to they're going to backfill their schedule and we're going to be left out. We're going to have to be looking for other creative ways to fill the schedule. Maybe there's an opportunity to play multiple youth sports games. You know, there are a number of Ontario teams that have buys on a weekly basis. So there are solutions. There are people wanting to help. Uh, U-sports in the background has been very positive with us, even though at the front end they're not going to get out in front of it because they want SFU to apply. And until SFU is going to apply, they've got nothing to deal with, right? But, you know, we we continue to have conversations and try to keep those fires going uh, with hopes that there's a solution there. The NAIA, which is kind of a parallel league to the NCAA, obviously not as... Uh, prestigious or, or big financially, but a league that SFU has experience in in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, that's an option as well, that they've got some conferences that have buys in their schedule and they haven't been filled yet. So either way, it's going to be difficult to put a 2023 schedule together. I still believe we can do it. Um, there are legitimate options for beyond that, right? And I think whatever you do in 23 should align with what you're attempting to do in 24. But Right now, we got to get the university to engage, right? Like, they need to uh, sit down with us and go through this now because we're uh, we're getting close to, to the final strokes, which I know is what they're looking for, right? And we've got an injunction uh, that will be heard by the courts. that got filed yesterday. It's not going to be heard until May 3rd, right? And we've asked our athletes to be as patient as they possibly can with us um, and uh, see how that impacts the proceedings. But we don't want it to get to that. We'd rather have a solution before that, and and we as an alumni association absolutely has a plan. We've got some important people behind us, and we're going to hope to present that early next week uh, with hopes of getting getting some movement here.
1: Farhan Lalji joins us on the line for Western Pizza. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. Okay, um, I know that there has been some... I don't want to say too much flip-flopping, but some movement around by the SFU football program and SFU athletics in general. Um, I, you know, I've spoken with Glenn Suter on this program. I've spoken with Dan Rasevich, who in the '80s they played in that program when it was in the NAIA, and then uh, it joined what is now U Sport, and now it's then it went back to the Lone Star Conference. I mean, it seemed to me like SFU really had its struggles, uh, you know, during the time when Kelly Bates was coaching, etc. And has the time come for the flip-flopping moving conferences around to end and them just to stick to you sport and I understand that's a complicated question because there are other sports involved at that school Um, but are we getting to a point that maybe it's best for everyone involved that they just can commit to the Canadian University football system?
12: For football, maybe, but for not, the, not for the other sports. And I'm not here to advocate for all the other sports moving, and there's no reason for that, right? The school has had this athletic philosophy for a long time. Uh, they're comfortable where they're at. They get regional games. They get the prestige of those four letters behind them. And, all you know, it, it works. I'm not telling you they've won multiple national championships in basketball or something like that, but nonetheless, they're in the spot they believe they should be, and, I, and I'm fully supportive, right? And and I, I believe in their athletic philosophy. Uh, however... There's no football at the Division II level west of Colorado, right? And U-sports football has certainly taken a big step forward, you know, in the last couple of decades, right? So from a football perspective only, I think it's time to make that move and not flip-flop. And and we've talked about that as an alumni. Like, we need to work parallel tracks with how we're positioning our program just because we want options and somebody couldn't say no. But in my opinion given the support we've received nationally uh, from people in the Canadian Football League, from those presidents, from alumni at other schools, and really background conversations with presidents and ADs of those other schools, if we can make it work, I think the home in Canada Western U Sports needs to be full stop. That's it. No more movement, right? And the other sports can stay where they are. And, and I think that's a, that's a real plausible solution, right? So, you know, I certainly want to work towards that if, if we can make all of that align, right? But, um, you know, right now, uh, the main thing for us is we've just got to we've got to find a place right now uh, to play. And hopefully it's, um, you know, hopefully it's in Canada, Western U Sports uh, for both 2023 and beyond.
1: And then I guess the biggest issue is just separating the football program from all the other sports. And there, there are, in fairness, there are some complications with that, but probably not to the degree I of the excuses. Honestly, Brendan,
12: like if, yeah. if, if you look at UBC and UVic, they've got dual affiliated sports. Right. The rule in, in Canada Western U Sports is they, the current rule that we would appeal is that they want all your sports that they offer. right? But you know, if you look at UBC, they've got a baseball program that plays in the NAIA. If you look at uh, UVic, they've got golf programs and track and field programs that play in the NAIA. So dual-affiliated sports are not that complicated as it's being made out to be, or dual-affiliated universities. Certainly it works a little more for us because we're right at the border and we're on the West Coast you know, as opposed to U of R and U of S and, and things like that. But it doesn't have to be complicated, but SFU ultimately has to make the first application.
1: You know, I never even thought of that, and I feel so dumb for not making that connection. My brother-in-law used to pitch at UBC and has told me all about how it was in the NAIA. So, yeah, no, I totally hear, yeah, that makes sense. It's not like this would be setting a precedent uh, necessarily or anything like that. Hey, we're up against the clock, but uh, quickly, I wanted to ask you, have you had a chance to see the BC line's new threads? And what do you think?
12: Yeah, you know, I, I love them. And, and, you know, look, I'm, I'm 54, so whether I love them or not it's not really important. But, you know, my son, who's 14, uh, thought they were pretty cool, right? And when you can get that age to think they're pretty cool, uh, that's the win. And, you know, talking to Mr. Doman just a few moments ago, uh, the, the feedback they've gotten has, has really been good. It's a much more clean look than what their previous home uniforms were like. And, honestly, I like the fog right? I like their away uniforms. And how often can we say that, that you like a team's white uniforms better than their, their primary bright colored uniforms. And and I like the blacks. Don't get me wrong, but that fog uni is is quite nice. And uh, I think they've, uh, I think they've hit it out of the park. I think it's a good look. And now the big thing for the organization previously, part of the ownership change was that they didn't necessarily put themselves in a position to get these out there, right? Like in terms of inventory and souvenirs and locations, like they're just, there wasn't enough of that. And now I think it got that solved. So, hey, yeah, you want a slick looking uniform, but you got to get it in the hands of your customers. And I think they can do that now.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and that's a good sign that uh, your son <laughs> likes it because at the end of the day, um, the CFL is not as interested in uh, those of us over 40. <laughs> and they're trying to chase that yeah, younger exactly. demographic. Hey, this has been great. I'll let you uh, get on with your Friday and uh, enjoy your trip down to Seattle. Have a great weekend.
12: Hey, apologize for being late again, and good talking to you again, Brendan.
1: That's okay. Awesome. That is Farhan Lalji from TSN joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. Still ahead, later on, on Hour 3, we will check in with Luke Mullender... Uh, to talk a l- more about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we will also go out and hear a player's perspective on those new uniforms with the BC Lions. Um, I was also going to check, this is the last night of the regular season in the National Hockey League, and the playoffs will get going on Monday night. I don't remember them ever skipping a weekend. Hmm. I, like, just leaving a weekend out there. I thought I thought the NHL wanted the weekends, or maybe the ratings are better during the week. You're not talking with the right man, because I don't watch a lot of National Hockey League. I, I tune You're in. just fixated
3: on your Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, there's too much. I was talking about this the other day. There's too much going on for me to care about that right now. We got Major League <laughs> Baseball season that just started, man. We got the Milwaukee Bucks set to play game one. Of round one, Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. at the Visor Forum in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like, I don't got
1: time to watch that National Hockey League. Have you you been to a Come Bucks on. game? I've been to a couple Bucs games. have been to games. a couple? Yeah. I was there, um, I don't remember what year it was, but the Bucs were playing the Miami Heat and LeBron James. And it was game four of the first round. Hmm. And the series was 3-0 for Miami. And it's, it's, so we got so, to game four. Yeah, so that would have been in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. At the yeah. old Bradley Center. The old Bradley
3: Center. I, how would you think of the Bradley Center? I, I, I saw one game there against the Indiana uh,
1: Indiana Pacers. I didn't think it was, was anything it? spectacular, but at no, the same time... it was a dump. Let's be honest but, with the listener. It was a dump. But the, but the thing is, I think people get too fixated on things that don't matter Mm. like it's it was still a nice arena or it was a good enough arena i remember going to uh my first nhl game in winnipeg and i couldn't believe in the old winnipeg arena they had an elevator that would take us up and i remember chatting with my mom and the elevators were going up and i said or she said you know i'm hearing that the team could move if they don't replace this arena which they ultimately did two years three years later and i said that's crazy this is such a nice place and she says but brendan we're a couple of hicks. We have no idea about what is nice and what isn't. That could be the case, or maybe maybe we were just true sports fans who don't get caught up in all this other well, materialistic you're, crap. You're not a Bucks fan, so like, what are you doing in Milwaukee? <coughs> oh, we just did a trip, Milwaukee-Chicago. Okay, and, yeah. I feel no, we that. We didn't, didn't care particularly much about this game, but we were nearby. Well, you, sh- and- you should have, because that's the Milwaukee Bucks you're talking about, so you should have cared about that basketball game. I think, you know, y- you remind me of the one guy I have, who I know, who's a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Okay. That's so random. <laughs> Finding a Milwaukee Bucks fan is pretty random on the prairies, and I have my... Ray uh, Allen, 2001 Eastern Conference Finals when they lost
3: to, to Allen the Sixers in yeah. seven
1: games with that's George Carl. That's where my fandom was born. Yeah, they dra- they drafted Stefan Marbury and then f- flipped him to Ray Allen. I remember yeah. that draft in the Skydome. Is <laughs> it the Skydome? Maybe the year later. I don't know. The ears are all just blending People together. are like,
3: quit talking about the Bucks, man. Like, no one cares, Zing. Zing Daddy. Coming Come on up, a break. Yeah.
1: More of the sports cage for Nelson Holmes. You're listening to Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Oh, man,
3: I got to get my hands on a pizza pie this weekend. Western pizza sounds pretty good right now 532 inside the sports cage for busy b overhead busy b will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out catch the buzz busy b doors the garage door specialists the toronto blue jays taking on the tampa bay Rays tonight and we all know yes the tampa bay rays they are striving for that 14 and 0 mark and if they do so it will be a modern era record. Yes, I believe there's two or three other teams tied with the Rays right now in Major League Baseball history. 13-0 and 0 is the mark. Wouldn't that be something if the Toronto Blue Jays can knock off the Rays tonight? George Springer with a home run for the Toronto Blue Jays early in that game. Coming up later on this evening, Game 1 of the SJHL Championship goes tonight in North Battleford. It's the Flynn Flom Bombers versus the Juggernaut Battleford's North Stars. We heard from the voice of the Bombers, Rob Hart, to kick off the show. You could hear it in his voice. He's ready to roll. Game one puck drop, 7.30 tonight.
0: Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chat from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM.
3: Friday's Pat Chat is for the Canadian Brewhouse. Simply Spike Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold, full-flavored fizzy choices to enjoy. We enjoyed a nice NHL hockey game last night because our own Stan the Man, Stanislav Svozel, made his NHL debut with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Jackets went on to win the game. Three to two in overtime. Big thanks to the tying goal with just under four minutes remaining in the third period. Stanislav Svozel, his first NHL game, his first NHL point. Let's listen in.
13: Svozil sends it across ice. He'll get it back.
3: Kutiya shot scores power play goal. And how about that young man
2: in his NHL debut? Picks up an assist.
3: Yes. Stanislav Vosel with the assist. The Jackets force overtime, and they went on to defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins 3 2. And Stanislav Vosel how impressive is that? He's playing with the Pats a few short days ago up in Saskatoon, and now he's picking up points in the National Hockey League. That's why he is called Stan the Man. And Stan the Man taking a hold of today's Pat Chat. <laughs>
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: Friday edition of the Sports Cage carries on. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball for Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. You can always chime in through the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306-936-6262 or call us toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Uh, our Twitter follower, follow us at Sports Cage. That's the follower rate. Right there. Um still ahead here in hour three, we will check in with Luke Mullander. Uh and but before we do that, we want to uh well, figure out from a player's perspective uh what they think of the B C Lions new duds that were just unveiled. The gray fog, they're calling their road jerseys. We're now joined by B C Lions defensive back, Manny Rugamba. Manny are you in Vancouver right now?
9: Yes, I am in Vancouver right now.
1: Why do uniforms matter?
9: Man, uniforms matter because, you know, the same way you wake up in the morning, you put on your shirt and you tie your tie and you go to work, you got to look nice uh, to feel nice. And I feel like our uh, equipment staff definitely took care of that for us uh, with these new unis.
1: Why do you like the new unis so much? It sounds like you're giving them rave reviews or they're getting rave reviews, especially with uh, the under 40 demographic.
9: Oh, man, why do I love him so much? Um, I feel like the all black is a statement for home, and uh, the fog out gray, it's a, it's a nice alternative uh, versus the white that we had last year on the road. Uh, I think um, it's good for the team as far as getting guys excited, uh, something to look forward to. Uh, it's nothing better than getting in New Jersey before the season starts.
3: Yeah, one thing I love about the uniforms is the stripes on the sleeves with uh, the BC Lions logo slapped right on top of the stripes. It kind of gives like a 1980s type vibe. I'm a big fan of the unis too, man. Uh, was this something that you kind of known about for a while, or did you just get a call in the offseason and it was like, hey, we're getting we're getting new uniforms? Uh, it was something that
9: I didn't really know about until about probably didn't know as much as the public did until probably a week before the unveiling. So um, I was excited when I was in the facility and I walked back and one of our equipment managers, Aaron, he told me to come check this out. And I saw the new uniforms and man, I, my my face lit up. Uh, so it was, it was definitely something that I was hard to keep in house until the unveiling of the uniforms for sure. I was excited.
3: Were you one of the players that got to like slap on the shoulder pads with the jerseys and pants and put on the helmet? I saw on the social media feeds that there were some players like Vernon Adams Jr. was wrapping it. Uh, were you one of those players or have you been able to do that yet?
9: Yeah, for the marketing shoot, we went over. Uh, our yeah. media team did a great job. They um, put together uh, a nice photo shoot for us uh, as far as doing the marketing videos for the upcoming season and the unveiling of the new uniforms. Uh, I did get a chance to put it on and put the shoulder pads on and, you know, kind of get that game day feeling. And it it was nice to, 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 to be able to experience that, you know, so early before the season starts. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun.
1: Manny Rugamba of the BC Lions is our guest for Western Pizza. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. Um, Manny, you're still a pretty young guy, even by football standards. Uh, you know, you're going to be turning 25 here pretty soon. But we've seen a lot of these pop-up leagues down in the United States come and go. Uh, there is the Alliance of American Football. There's the Spring League evolving into what they're calling the USFL. And, of course, the XFL. I guess we're on 3.0 now. And that has led to a lot of fear and worry about whether or not uh, our pipeline is going to be severely disrupted for talented young players like yourself Um, now that we're we've seen two of those leagues um, really struggle one of them failed the XFL You know, is playing in front of, oh God, very, very poor capacity. The TV ratings have been a disaster and there are indications that that is going to go up in smoke. Uh, Still don't know what's going to happen with the USFL. Do you think that we're at a point where people can begin again to feel really optimistic about not only your BC Lions but the Canadian Football League in general? Uh,
9: Definitely. I feel like um, with all the new leagues (laughs) that... some having success, some not having success, and how, um, you know, how respected the CFL is as far as its history and, you know, having survived multiple lockouts, um, just hundreds of years of history, I feel that the uh, fans should not worry about the uh, pipeline of young athletes from the United States and not to discredit any of the other leagues whatsoever, Uh, i'm actually happy for a lot of the guys i know a lot of guys you know get opportunities who you know have been seeking opportunities but uh just speaking from a biased opinion being in the cfl and being a young guy who came you know across the border and it was new and everything you know was not the same thing i was accustomed to as far as the rule changes or even um the size of the league and Things like that. Uh, so if I can speak for anybody down south, uh, I could say that um, the CFL is 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 definitely welcoming of young talent from the states. And it's something that I look forward to seeing while I play in the future, after I'm playing. And I'm just appreciative for the opportunity that I was given here uh, to come up and play for the BC Lions.
1: Did you ever seriously consider any of those other leagues over the CFL?
9: Um yeah, you know, I was with the Browns uh 2021 for a little bit, about, about four months I was with the Browns. And then, you know, I was at home and I was speaking to my agent. And like I said, these new leagues, everything was up and down. And um, it was definitely a thought uh, in my head. But at the time, uh, the leagues weren't as, you know, publicly promising, but just for the information that I knew uh, for me to, you know, just – completely outrule the cfl um because i'm you know i'm a lover of the game i I respect the game and i you know felt that wherever opportunity arise i was going to go and put my best foot forward and um the cfl just happened to be the best situation for myself
1: so you just to clarify so you the the stability of the canadian football league meant something to you as a young athlete and uh was part of your decision to choose to come to canada instead of one of these other leagues
9: absolutely the stability was one of the biggest things um it was you know have as an athlete professional athlete you when you're you know when you're not appointed a job and you're a free agent at the time a uh, stability is something that uh crosses your mind more than once throughout your thought process so stability was definitely a big thing for my choice
3: yeah so you've been up here for a few seasons now how has uh your canadian football league experience been up here in canada you said you're in vancouver right now are you uh spending your off seasons uh up north here already that's that's pretty sweet if you are
9: yeah uh definitely i go back and forth um time to time uh from my you know chicagoland areas where originally where my family is and I go back and forth but like I said I love the game and I'm grateful for my opportunity and if I feel like um, it's the best thing for me to come up here and be around the team and be around the facility and the staff and uh, just kind of fully be full in with the experience it's, it's been a great experience in that for sure my first uh, season and a half this is my first off season with the team and last year was my rookie year um, but my experience was up and down I know I've shared it before publicly as far as like the first 10 weeks of the season being on a practice squad, um, adjusting to the game, adjusting to the speed of the game, the different rules. you got receivers running at you. So my experience, if I can you know, put it all in one, I would say it's, it's, that's what it was. It was an experience. It was good days or bad days. But ultimately, I just moved from the people that I spoke to on the team and guys that have been in my position and were new to the CFL at some point. Uh, they just told me to just keep working and, you know, uh, the hard work will pay off, and I've just been very fortunate enough to be able to take advantage of some opportunities.
3: Hey, Saturday, May 27th, man, preseason week number two, the BC Lions are rolling into Rider Nation. Can't wait to see those new unis. And sometimes the riders wear white jerseys at home in the preseason, so maybe... You know, Rattner Nation, will get an opportunity to see the home All Blacks during the preseason. Just throwing it out there, Manny. Just throwing it out there, but uh, excited to see you.
9: Yeah, I, that would be. Uh, that, that's a place that I enjoyed definitely. That was uh, going into Regina and going against Saskatchewan. It's a tough, um, tough program, and you know they're 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 a tough team. They're hard to play, and when you go there you got to know that um, you're going to get their best effort. And it was actually one of my earlier games. It was my second start of the season. I had to go to Regina and play in front of that crowd. And um, it was exciting. It was exhilarating. It was challenging. And I look forward to seeing them again for sure.
1: Well, we'll see you three times this year uh, because the geniuses who did the schedule thought it would be a great idea to have uh, every team in the same division play three times. But I guess uh, on the uh, on the flip side of that, you'll get another visit, uh, well, a game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I think it'll just be the one trip to Regina uh, this year. Hey, thanks for doing this. Congratulations. Nice looking new uniform. And uh can't wait to see you guys unveil it in uh, 2023. Enjoy the rest of your offseason.
9: Thank you so much for having me on. Enjoy the rest
1: of your day. All right. That is Manny Rugamba, defensive back for the BC Lions. Uh, they have the new, um, what are we calling it? The Volcano Gray? The. Fog. 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 Okay. Fog, baby. The volcano fog or just the fog? The gray fog uniforms of the BC Lions. Google image it. You'll know exactly what we're talking about. Okay, time to break. When we come back, I guess we'll let Luke Mullinder come on for a few minutes. You're listening to The Sports Gauge, presented by Nelson Holmes on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you
3: by Capital Ford Lincoln, on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, April 14th, 1968. Bob Golby wins first and only major at the Masters, shooting a 6-under-66, six edging Roberto DeVenso by one stroke, who had inadvertently
0: signed an incorrect card, costing him one stroke. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger with you on the Friday edition of the Sports Cage, presented by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Very pleased to be joined on the line for Western Pizza. Rough Rider Radio. Col- I'll start that again. Rough Rider Radio Color Analyst Luke Mollander. Luke, how you doing, my man?
7: I'm good, man. I'm ready for the weekend. Been a solid week of work, but now uh, now the fun begins, right?
1: You have plans, or you're just going to lay on the couch and uh, watch sports all weekend?
7: Yeah, no, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that the second part happens. But uh, first, you know, I, like many of uh, like many of the people in the station, uh, we have the uh, celebration of life for Derek Myers here tomorrow. So make sure we'll be at mm. that, and, uh, and then get on with the weekend.
1: For our listeners wondering, uh, when and where is the celebration of life?
7: Connexus Art Center, twelve o'clock. So, yeah, anybody who New Duke, I think that uh, it it is open to the public. uh, So, yeah, but
1: it begins at noon. 12 noon tomorrow. And, uh, boy, isn't it sad that it takes something like what happened to poor young Derek uh, to make us or put everything into perspective and make us appreciate the moments that we have, and I'm just going to tell you, Luke, I appreciate getting to talk to you on the radio today. Uh, sometimes we take little things like that for granted, and uh, so let's, if we can, give a gift, I guess, to uh, our friend Derek. It's to do something like that, but um,
7: well, I think that if you know if we want to honor Derek and 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 do something uh, in, in his memory,
1: I think it's just.
7: Um, be like him be a good person you know be positive uh, no no matter uh, in any setting that we're put in and uh, you know always look to help people because that's what he was all about
1: yeah I thought the best comment that I heard uh, about Derek was um, you know sometimes we like to sit and gossip and put this person down put that person down I don't ever remember hearing Derek do that about anybody and uh, that's just that's just who he was so yeah exactly. he is missed already um, hard to shift gears from that, but uh, we'll we'll try our best. All the negativity about last season—you know, the eleven losses in last thirteen games—has yeah. that been fully expunged now? I mean, is is when we look back on this off season, which is winding down, is that going to be the story of it? Is the fact that the uh, Montreal Alouettes decided at the last minute to host a yard sale and invited Jeremy O'Day, and that's what flipped the script? Yeah, you know
13: what?
7: I I really I think that. I think that as negative as, as last season was, I think that it is it is probably time to move past that. I mean, we're right on the cusp of training camp here, and you know, every single year is a different year. Whether you're last place in the league or you win the Great Cup, you know, it's uh, everybody starts on the same path. Um, I, for one, I, I'm actually pretty optimistic about the Riders' uh, opportunity to compete um, this year, but. Obviously, the caveat I've been giving people is they've got to stay healthy. It doesn't look like they're going to be a very deep team. Um, so, you know, they've really got to try to avoid the injury bug. And I know that that's one of those uncontrollable aspects of the football season. But I'm really, uh, I'm really optimistic. I'm really looking forward to seeing. I think that, I think that Kelly Jeffrey is going to be a, um, a, a real good offensive coordinator. Um, I think that he's going to be creative. And, I, and again, I think that uh, Trevor Harris was an upgrade. Uh, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I I don't think he's going to go in there. And, you know, one of the things, actually, I know, that he's not going to make the first mistake. You know, he hasn't done that in his whole career. So I don't anticipate him him starting that now. And, uh, again, I think there's a lot to be positive here in Rider Nation about.
1: When we think about this quarterback swap that we did over the offseason, Fajardo for Harris, um, I try to listen really attentively to what I hear from the teammates of either one. And uh, we had Chris Aki on this show a little bit earlier this week, the linebacker for the Elouettes, and the comments were something to the effect of, um, let's see. Harris was amazing, and ownership issues affected us, Brendan, because we lost some of our best players because of the uncertainty and free agency. Um, Fajardo, mm, I don't know much about Fajardo. I know he had one really good year, and I feel like you know nobody's going to come out and say, hey, we lost this swap. But I don't know. When I see the comments um, from, from him and even from Machocha, the way they speak about both quarterbacks, I feel like the people closest to them or maybe a little bit skeptical that Montreal won this quarterback swap. Fair take?
7: Oh no, I, I don't think there's anybody in the league that'll tell you Montreal won that quarterback swap. And, and you know what? That's not to say. I mean, that's not a that's not that's not a shot against Cody whatsoever. Um, but I mean, if you line the quarterbacks up in the league right now, um, and, and and I were talking about this the last time I was on the show, Trevor Harris is probably the third best quarterback in the league right now. I know that there's nine, only nine teams in the league, but at the same time, um, you know, Hey, listen, what Montreal was going through is not Jeremy O'Day's problem. It's not Ryder nation's problem. It wasn't the CFL's problem. What they were going through was just what they were going through. And you know what? Some, some good players came available because of that. And it was good for the riders to capitalize on that. I actually think it was a blessing because if you, if you go back to it and let's say Trevor Harris sticks with Montreal, where are the riders right now in terms of starting quarterbacks? Well, I'll tell you where they'd be. They'd probably be looking to develop the guys like Paul Gala and Mason Fine, right? And they wouldn't have a guy that they were that confident in. I think that, I, I do think that, you know, I know that everybody wants Philip Blake um, to be uh, one of the tackles this year. I, I'm really hoping that he ends up at, at guard still. And uh, I think that they've got some good size and, and, and prospects there to play the right tackle in the left tackle position. So, again, I think the Riders are in a good spot, and I'm excited about training camp.
1: Luke Mollander joins us on the line for Western Pizza. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine in specials. So, you, you're of the mind that they should go with two imports again on the offensive line just to, to bolster that?
7: Well, I think right now it makes the most sense that they could, but I mean, right there, obviously, the, the the rule there would be, you know, go with two tackles if you have them, right? Yep. I, think that, um, I think that obviously the, there's going to be a ton of scrutiny um, toward that position this year, rightfully so, but um, the guys they got, I mean, they're, they're not coming right out of college. A couple of guys got pro experience. They're bigger guys, right? Um, so and so, I, I really think that you know they, they've got a good chance really at, at, at finding someone here. And again, you know, um, it, it's on the offensive coordinator, right, to, to to really figure out a scheme that a addresses the skill sets the, that any tackle brings, but more importantly, probably for the Riders right now, is set up a scheme that addresses the gaps.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, well, I mean, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, I I found it really ironic last year that they had so much trouble along the offensive line, even though they spent so much on that position by using imports. I mean, to to me, that was more disheartening than anything, wasn't it? The fact that they uh, basically threw their hands in the air and said, "Okay, we're going to commit to this. They used two American tackles, which should have fixed the problems that they had, and it didn't. That was probably more disheartening than anything, wasn't it?
7: Well, yeah, I think that you know, and and the signs the signs were pretty much right up off the, off the bat too, right? Like I don't I don't think Taron Vaughn came in in the best shape last year, and, and I'm sure that you know guys around the uh, around him would argue against that. But I mean, you know, he was a guy that was supposed to be a staple and, and never really worked out like that since Chris Jones left. So, um, you know, it, it might be good in this 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 aspect to really be carte blanche, right? You, you probably have some extra money lying around. Uh, the tackles they brought in, obviously, when you're looking for a pro opportunity, the pro team that signs you has the leverage in terms of the contract situation. So hopefully the money was spent brutally and, uh, and and the Riders managed to get, you know, two really capable guys, um, you know, to go along. Because, again, if if you're able to protect Trevor Harris, I mean, he's got some weapons. And, and more importantly, he's going to have a run game. And, and that's why one of the big reasons I think Phillip Blake needs to be inside is because with the signing of Peter Godbrough, which was a fantastic signing by O'Day, um, I think that they can be really strong in the interior and use the run game to their advantage. It
1: will be fascinating to see uh, how Kelly Jeffrey pieces this thing together as the offensive coordinator and even Anthony Vitale, the new offensive line coach. They could be yeah. rising stars if they're able to uh, fix what was ailing the Rough Riders late in 2022. Hey, listen, this has been great, pal. Always good to check in with you. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, thanks again for uh, going to that event, that celebration of life for our good friend Derek Myers and uh, uh, the kind words about him as well.
7: Absolutely, man. You did a great job this week, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, pal. See that-
1: you, Luke. That is Cool Hand Luke Mullender, uh, Rough Rider Radio Analyst. And that will bring another episode of the Sports Cage to a close. Thank you to everyone who appeared. Um, all of our guests. Should I go through the list, singer? Mm, why not? I'll go through the list. Why not? Uh, on this episode of the Sports Cage, we had Rob Hart, not the wedding singer, Flint Flon Bombers radio broadcaster, um, Brian Munns, Winnipeg Ice broadcaster, Bob Stauffer from the Edmonton Oilers radio network, Abby White with Chase the Ace. I, ch- I he let me channel my inner Ed McMahon. Yeah, that was Here's good. Here's Abby. That was good. And uh, Farhan Lalji from TSN, Manny Ragumba of the BC Lions, and of course, you just heard our good pal, our dear friend Luke Mullinder. That's it.
3: Two nothing Blue Jays, top of four. Let's end this winning streak from the Rays, huh?
0: Let's, Let's do it. Let's go. Let's, Let's do head it to the Z- weekend. Let's go. Z- Zinger at night is next. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source 620 CKRM.